actual crime. I don't like it. What, being able to hear yourself? Yes. I can turn you up. You want to hear yourself no. louder? No. Okay. God, no. Okay. Why, LaCroix? <laughs> <laughs> I, I help, it helps me not yell if I can hear myself in my ears. So I usually keep myself quite loud. Matt I, likes himself turned down. Yeah, that seems ideal. Yeah. I just four I, fingers. You're like two whole hands. <laughs> Don't be afraid of the microphone. <laughs> you can pull it. It's on an arm. No, it's gonna bite me. Sit where you want to sit, and then pull the microphone to you. Got this. There you go. So close. <laughs> you're like I can't. I can't. Why did I agree to this? <laughs> I I thought we would be doing this into space and not record it, uh, like in an empty room where no one would ever listen. I thought that's how podcasts that's, work. Oh, okay. Yeah. So the, speaking, a conversation. The I whole thought. microphone thing is yeah, scary. It's yeah. a little bit. Yeah. I thought yeah. we would just speak into nothingness. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I'm on IMDb now. I don't know if you know that. <laughs> I mean, it is it is a little bit of pressure being in a room with someone who is internet famous. Yeah. Like, I don't, can I look at Somebody you? Somebody had to add me, because I went on today to like, well, can I add myself <laughs> as the cast? Because clearly I am the cast of my own podcast. Can I put myself on there? It was quite the process. Like, I formatted, I put host, and it was like, nope, unless you are literally a character named host, you can't put host. So I had to put like self space dash space host. So weird. And it had to go through all kinds of like format checks before I could even submit it. So as of right now, do they acknowledge that you are the person whose voice is heard on the podcast that they already have accepted into their website? Right now they just have the podcast up. There's no cast and there's no plot. Okay, so you're you're asking them to be added into that, but as of right now, yeah, they only have the show. They have the show, so I have to create myself. So like, I had to put my name in, and then it was like, oh, you mean this other person who also has your name? And I had to be like, no, I'm an entirely different person. I'm your biggest fan, and I found <laughs> your shed in we... the woods where you record. Can you hear me? I'm outside the walls. Like, I just... <laughs> Says the person in the shed. In oh, the yeah. Company. No, look, yeah. I'm not saying I'm not an internet creep. I did find you on the internet and worm my way into your life with Ribena and flowers. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. It's a two-step process. It is. Ribena, flowers, friends forever. And then... Kidneys. Yeah. <laughs> That's the fourth step. I got two. I don't need them. Yeah. It's fine. You only need one. <laughs> and then pull just a little closer. No, it's so you'll, close. Otherwise, you'll cut in and out. <laughs> what if the whole podcast is just you talking to an unseen, unheard voice? All right. Are you ready? <laughs> Not really. <laughs> well, too bad because we've been recording for like six minutes. Cool. Actually, five minutes and eight seconds. Um, totally usable. Did you get the part about animorphs? We should have an entire no, discussion about animorphs. We did not. Although that would be fun. There is somebody else doing an episode by episode like recap of the animorphs books. Part of me wants to reread them, and part of me is like, you don't need that much more trauma in your life to remember yeah. how traumatized you were at eight years old. I bet they're still traumatizing. I don't know. I want. I want to reread them. I'm going to reread them probably all in one go. So I'm like waiting. You're going to have to let me know if the trauma hits the same way or if it's one of those things where, like, as a kid, you were like, <gasps> and then as an adult, you're like, oh, these, they all suck. I don't care if they I'm die. I'm betting it's going to be worse because now I'm like, oh, these are children. And these are children having to, like, kill people. And, yeah. yeah. I do feel like I forgot how violent and 
full of despair those books were until like we're having this conversation and I'm like, oh, yeah, they're like, they're, don't they, aren't they just starting high school? Yeah. Beginning of it. So they're, they're like 13 or 14 at the very beginning. Yeah. And yeah. they're going up against an alien space army. And yeah. And they're people. basically like, um, almost the entire planet is already lost. You guys are our last hope. You just have to hold the planet for like two years until the like Andalite fleet gets here. Do they ever show up? Like, Actually. Hear how you're cutting out the scooter too far from the microphone. Fucking, I hate this. I hate, why should anyone hear my voice? My voice is the worst. You drove an hour. I know, I know, I know, I know. I make terrible life decisions. There, that's perfect. Very bad life decisions. Pretend you're the night crawler. I I can't be that horny. The moon and shit. The level of sexuality that comes from that. You know what? My favorite part, can I be honest? My favorite part about LaCroix. About Nigel Bennett is that I feel like you could tell me that the age he was when he started recording that show was like 29. You could tell me the age he was was 78. And I would believe you both times. Anyway, yeah. He could be, he could be any age. When I saw, um, you know, that other podcast that he, he liked, was it Monsters Magic and Mayhem? Monsters yeah, Ma- the one. Yeah, the interview podcast. Yeah, where they did the interview of him. And I saw there were like little video clips of him online. And I was like. You could have aged the 30 years that have happened since the end of that show. You might have been that age the entire time. I can't tell. <laughs> I cannot. You're like, it's you somehow, you're like the opposite of those people that like have been young forever. Yeah. You have been like 60 since you have been 20. Like yeah. I can't, I can't get any kind of a bead on you yeah. at all. He's in Shape of Water and he looks like exactly yes. the same in Shape of Water. Yes. And then he was in V Wars and he was actually quite a bit thinner in V Wars than he normally is. And he looked older and that was the first time i was like oh nigel have you gotten older well yeah if he i mean he's not like a big guy to begin with so if you lose a lot of weight like you're gonna look like like a skinny cat wearing a fur coat like yeah a little bit and i was like oh he's gotten it was like oh but then i saw him in shape of water and i was like he's exactly the same yeah which the shape of water was basically a forever night like (laughs) (laughs) i know i was like oh that guy's in forever night oh that guy's in forever night I do. I I feel like I don't know if I'm allowed to love John Kapalos doing a thick Greek accent. I feel like I should be allowed to like that. He doesn't has, he speak Greek? He might. He I think yeah, he I think he, he is Greek. I mean, he yeah. is Greek. But like sometimes when he does the accent, it's so thick that I'm like, can you do a hate crime against your own people? <laughs> because the level of thickness of this. I don't know whether I'm like whether I I would need to be Greek to be allowed to enjoy this as much as I do because it is mm. it is thick. He lays it on thick. <laughs> He's an actor. Okay. I he is, but he is like I just you know when you listen to something and you're just like oh I I feel like in the fifties this would have been offensive and someone would have been yeah. Let's say speaking of which, um, I didn't realize. One of the movies that I was, like, for the list that I was watching last night, I was going through, like, I was re-watching it to familiarize myself. And I didn't realize that we still had white people doing Indian accents in the 80s. So that was a oh. fun thing. I was watching and I was like, sir? <laughs> sir? <laughs> sir? What is that? And what's Oh, we had that all the way up to The Love Guru. Yeah. Remember The Love Guru I do. with Mike Myers? I, so this is. <laughs> Even that was a step, that was a step too far. Everyone was like, no. This is going to get me internet canceled. I, I actually sort of enjoyed The Love Guru. <laughs> and I know that makes me a bad, bad person. Uh, or a good Canadian, maybe. But like, 
it's I'm trying to like isn't he I don't remember the plot very very well but like isn't he a a white North American child who ends up being like adopted by someone in India and growing up in India so like if that's the case like you would you would have the accent of the place that you're living I mean I agree that like they also kind of gave him like a false nose that is maybe a little bit racist so like maybe they could have maybe they could have not right. done that yeah. that would have been uh you know better stylistically but i remember i like is that is that weird do you ever have that where you're like i remember enjoying this movie and i remember yeah. nothing about it i think I, that's the entirety of ace ventura <laughs> yes yeah. yeah you're like wow i remember thinking that movie was the funniest thing ever yeah, and quoting I, it with my friends yeah but i could not tell you the plot i remember the first one is a giant like trans joke that's what it is yeah, yeah. but like i don't remember i remember that the villain is a trans woman only because there were like videos on YouTube talking about it and like showing clips and things. But like, I don't remember what the trans woman did that was her crime that oh. caused Ace Ventura to be involved to investigate. Like, I don't remember. I know the Miami Dolphins are involved. I know that in <laughs> in one in the sequel, are there is there are there only two movies? There might yeah, be. Yeah, there there's might be Ace ten. Ventura and there's Ace Ventura when nature calls, which somehow when nature calls is worse. I, because that's one where he goes to Africa. Yeah, yeah. I remember he he is he becomes birthed from the backside of a of a, a rhinoceros. Rhino. Yeah, that's all I remember. I don't. <laughs> why is he in Africa? What crimes? He's a detective, right? So he's like solving crimes. Maybe I don't know anything about these movies, but I can close my eyes and visually see Jim Carrey pulling open the <laughs> rectum of a false rhinoceros. Yeah, and like birthing his face through. But that was the nineties. That's because the rest of it was just a coke dream. Like, everyone was on cocaine. They yeah. did some stuff. And there were some funny moments. And you remember the funny moments. <laughs> I do feel like all of 90s culture is just a weird fever dream in my head where I'm like, did I did I imagine that? And then you come back later and you're like, nope, that was a real series of television programs. Yeah. Like, you, oh. Yeah. Or you don't remember it being that bad. And then you go to watch it and you're like, oh, this is. Yes. This is terrible. Like, I feel like, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, although I feel like for 90s programs, I don't remember them being such low quality. Mm. For 80s programs, I forgot all of the racism and sexism. <laughs> but, like, the quality is better somehow. <laughs> like, the production quality was, like, great. But then there's, like, slapping women's asses and raping them. But we're not going to call it rape. And, like, why won't my girlfriend have sex with me? And I'm like, oh, Okay. <laughs> What show is that? Um, I will. Okay, first off, <laughs> I need context. <laughs> the fact that I said the '80s, it just all all the '80s movies, yeah, obviously. But yeah. the things that I'm thinking of specifically are: I used to really enjoy the Revenge of the Nerds movies. Mm. I liked them so much as a kid, and then at some point, someone was like, "You know, he rapes that woman," and I was like, "Oh yeah, no, he has sex with the girlfriend of one of the jocks while he's wearing, I think, a Darth Vader helmet." And she thinks that he is her boyfriend. And I'm like, oh, that is a legitimate crime. Yeah. That's sexual assault. Cool. <laughs> Great. That's like, it's it's not even, I'm not even being hyperbolic when I say it is textbook sexual assault. Because in fact, in a textbook for my criminal law class, <laughs> there was a very similar case where like someone crawls in a woman's window. I don't remember how he gets there, but he like, like crawls in the window yeah. and she's like oh hey it's my boyfriend billy and he's like uh-huh and he's not billy right. and they and he has sex with her and she wakes up and she's like ah like or not wakes up but you know opens her eyes and goes like you're not billy and he's yeah. like oh and rolls off and runs away so that was rape that was because the defense was like well should you let me have sex with her and it's like yes because oh, i'm sorry 
because she thought you were Billy. You're not Billy, asshole. You right. were, you climbed in some random woman's window and raped her. And, like, that's what happens in the movie. But he's so good at sex that she's like, ah, it's fine. It's <laughs> fine. I guess I date you now. And, like, as an adult, I'm just like. That's terrible. What the fuck did I just yeah. watch? Like, he's the hero of this. I liked this movie. I don't feel like I can like this actor anymore. This is ruined for me forever. But, like, in the 80s. Everything was fine. And then I was watching I, I was watching Fright Night because that was on my list of things where I was like, I remember liking this movie. Let me like watch it again and see if I'm going to enjoy, if I'm going to put it on my list of vampire properties that I think people should watch because they're great and I like them. And I, the very beginning of it is the girlfriend played by the woman who played Marcy on um, Married with Children. And I can never remember her name. But she's got, she's got that kind of like, 80s girl mushroom cut but in my head I'm like well that just seems like a haircut that was common for girls in the 80s so like Mm -hmm. I I didn't recognize it at first as like being coded for anything and she shows up and she's wearing like overalls and like a little sassy like button down shirt and I'm just like okay well that to me that just reads 80s that doesn't read like frigid or masculine or whatever it just reads 80s. Her boyfriend the main fucking character who we're supposed to like I guess starts (laughs) off the movie right starts off the movie trying to have sex with her and she's like no and he's like come on he's like yelling at her like it's been it's i don't know why i keep thinking he said it's been six years maybe that's a different movie i was watching but he like yelled at her like it's been a long time we've been dating like you've been giving me blue balls our entire relationship like just fucking blow me like he's like really like angry at her and then she like gives in she's not like i want to do this she's like well you're yelling at me okay so then she like gives in and then he gets distracted by the neighbor bringing his coffin in and starting the whole vampire movie whatever and so she's like well fuck you you're getting distracted and then when she gets bitten by a vampire all of a sudden she has long hair which i (laughs) she had fucking mushroom cut 12 seconds ago i don't know how i like is that what happens when you get bitten by a vampire you get long flowing yes um herbal essences i'm pretty sure that's in the that's in the textbook. Because, right? I mean, in, if so, bite me right now because my hair is getting thinner the older I get. So, like, if you will give me herbal essences without me having to buy herbal essences, like, just do it. So she also has, like, the herbal essences, like, 80s shower. I don't know why I keep shaking my head like I'm in a shower commercial. Like, porn That's hair. Fine. It's because nobody can see you. I <laughs> I want them to see me in my heart. I want them to all close their eyes and know that I'm doing the 80s commercial porn head shake. And then she has this long, flowing white gown, which obviously all female vampires have to have naturally. And it's like, okay, so before you were sort of reading as, like, little kid, sort of reading as, like, a little bit frigid from the point of view of the movie's, like, main character. And then all of a sudden when you're a vampire, you're, like, super sexed up. And then he's, like, afraid of you now that you're, like, super sexed up. And at the end, she's not a vampire anymore, but she's not who she was at the beginning. She's, um, her hair goes back to normal. I guess she gets a fucking I'm not a vampire anymore haircut. I don't know. But her, her outfit is, like, in between the two sexed up and the I'm not going to have sex with you outfit. It's, like, a new sexual freedom outfit. And they end the movie in the same location, like, almost doing the same scene as the beginning where they're watching Fright Night on television. They're in the bed. They're upstairs. But they're just making out hardcore. And I think they do, in fact, have sex. And I'm just, like, this whole movie feels like him pressuring you into having sex, being frightened of you when you wanted sex, and then going back to, like, a happy place where, like, you don't want it too much, but you're going to give it to him. And so we're all cool with it. And I'm yeah. like, I feel gross about this. And, and like, even the vampire, I would like in my head, I don't know why I thought the vampire character in the movie, um, I don't remember his character name, but like Chris Sarandon. Yeah. I remember him being much more compelling 
And also, like, separately, this is not as important. I remember him being much more handsome, and then I rewatched it, and I was like, oh. <laughs> so, like, I'm sorry, Chris isn't he Sarandon. In the prin- isn't he in The Princess Bride? He, yes, I think he is yeah. um, the bad guy. Yeah, I think he's Prince Humperdinck. Yeah. Yeah. So I was watching it, and I was like, oh, yeah, less handsome than I remember, but whatever. I, I have moved on. I have moved on to other sexier yeah. vampires, <laughs> which I assume we will discuss at some point. But I'm, like, watching it with him, and, like, he doesn't seem to have any character development at all. He's just kind of... Because he's just a horror vampire. He's, he he is, except there's this one moment where he, like, almost has character development, and I'm like, this makes me angrier than if you had no character development, because he's... Okay, so he has... <laughs> I just want to talk about movies that I hate. I no, don't know if that's no, why we're that's here. fine. So... I'm sure this is on your list. Go. I It's on my list of, like, things that I fucking am mad about. I'm mad about bad quality vampire stuff, and all of the stuff that we have is bad quality, and it makes me angry. So... Good. I think we can all agree on that. <laughs> right? Right? I just, I am a discerning consumer of vampire <laughs> properties. I want well, something. Well, if you don't want fuck vampires and you don't want horror vampires and you're stranded in this middle zone, it's all shit. Yeah. Well, to yeah. be fair, even the fuck vampires and the horror vampires are all, it's just, it's a bummer. So, but there's this one like little glimmer of like fucking squandered greatness in this movie where. Chris Sarandon and his mullet takes the takes Marcy to his fuck pad, whatever. Mm-hmm. And they're sitting on like a pile of like furs and things in front of a fireplace, as you do. Yeah. As you do. As you do. Um also PS, I found out that the actress who plays Marcy is like twenty seven in this playing a high schooler, which makes me feel better for all the weird stuff that happens in the movie. But like <laughs> watching it, I was like, gosh, you seem awfully big for like seventeen. And then when I like looked at I was like, okay, like you are in fact an almost 30-year-old woman that makes a little more sense for everything. So anyways, so they're staying there, and they're – he sort of has her under a spell, sort of. It's like not – you know sometimes when you have someone hypnotized by a vampire and they're like mentally – they're fine and they're like, oh, I want to escape. But their bodies are like, yes, blow me. Like, I'll yeah. just sit here. So it like sort of is that. She's sitting there. They're making it a little bit. He pulls back. He has vampire fangs but not his full – mutant awful why did they do this vampire makeup that the movie has mm. which i also forgot till i put it on and then he has like 30 <laughs> pounds of just raw clay just mashed onto his face yeah it's horrible he's like the kid from mask i was like, <laughs> like what what is this it's so bad i'm sorry i snipped directly into the microphone so um they're there and he's like just like sexy vampire he's got like a little bit of tooth he's like uh oh, what up and he like goes to bite her and she all of a sudden is like not into it, but not in the like, oh my god, you're a monster and you're gonna bite me and I'm scared. But she's not into it in the like, I'm I'm like a little nervous about this. It's my first time. Like she's like she did like pulls back from him and it feels like a very natural, real. I'm afraid about sex. I don't know, kind of vibe. Mm-hmm. And then when she does that, he pulls back. Like he feels bad about it. If you look at his face. He looks like he's having like actual an actual emotional thoughts. reaction. Yeah, yeah, actual <laughs> thoughts, which he does not have the rest of the movie. No thoughts in that head. Just just mullet going straight down to his yeah. teeth. <laughs> so like he like he has this this moment where like these thoughts clearly pro- like pass through his face. Like I feel bad about scaring you, and I don't want to hurt you, and I like you, and I I don't know. There's like a whole like thing going on there. Which maybe they they had been sort of thinking of because if you if you rewatch the movie um, when they're unpacking all of his stuff into his new house, there's a bunch of paintings that look like her, and he makes a comment like, "Oh yes, I knew this woman a long time ago." So 
there's like a there's a couple of shades of like you know that that vampire like oh you're the reincarnation of my dead lover blah blah yeah. blah story and then like the I'm, <laughs> oh that, yeah yeah that one yeah that yes. old that old chestnut <laughs> that old well like we that, all know it that vampire trope yeah so like they have those pictures but they never like address it and then they have him like gonna going to bite her and she's like ah oh, and he's like oh I don't want to hurt you and then fucking nothing they just throw that aside and he's just a dickhole the rest of the time and the makeup was so bad and then the like the what are you trying to say about sex vibes and then their friend their friend evil ed i like i just remember him being like like annoying but then i'm watching this and i'm like is is something medically wrong with him <laughs> because he's like he's not so much he's He's like that that friend you have that's so weird where you're just like, do you need a, a medication to help you be less weird? Mm. Are you just, are you struggling? Can you not get through this? Because are you okay? Are you okay? Yeah. Are you like, and then, because it, it, the movie seems to not be sure whether he's just like that friend who's kind of a jackass, who just gonna, is just going to say jackass things to be a jackass. Or that friend who's like the little twitchy, I, I should have been medicated, but no one has helped me get medicated. So I'm just going to be a little bit twitchy and I'm going to struggle and mm-hmm. and I'm a little bit weird and I can't help being weird. I'm just naturally weird and people are mean and pick on me and that's why they call me Evil Ed. I didn't choose that nickname. Kids are just assholes because it's the 80s and that's just how everyone is. Like it's it's just really hard to be like, what did you what did you want from this? Because the main character doesn't seem to like him. The girlfriend doesn't seem to like him. Like are you just like that weird guy that like hangs around long enough that he calls himself your friend but like he's not your friend? And then, I don't know, he, like, comes to your podcast studio and makes you podcast with him. Oh, you brought it right back around. I did. I was thinking in the newer Fright Night, I feel like his character is clearer. I I remember. So I was trying to find the newer Fright Night online, and I could not find it anywhere, which is frustrating. I know I've seen it. I remember liking it more than the first one. But I think I, it's a sequel. Well, there's... Kind of. Friend. Friend, I know that there's both the original Fright Night. <laughs> yeah. There's the sequel to Fright Night where, like, it's a different actor playing the same kid and he's in college and his teacher is a vampire, which I have not seen because I've heard it's somehow worse than the original Fright Night. <laughs> and then there's this one, which is supposed to be a remake of the original one. So it's the same. Oh, Jerry Dandridge is the vampire's name. Oh, my God. I remembered it. <laughs> I'm not going to be able to drive home. That just, like, Jerry. took away the map in my Jerry. head. Jerry. <laughs> right? Vampire Jerry. Yeah. Fucking no. You know, it's fine. I prefer the stupid names to the, like, my name is Maximilian. <laughs> Maximilian is also a stupid name. There are <laughs> so the, the overdone ones. I'm yes. Damon. I am whatever. Ugh. I, I yep. hate... I'm sorry. I went on a whole. I went on a whole journey there. I just. That's fine. No, whatever number that is on your, we've covered it. It's not a number, even. <laughs> it's just. It's one that I refuse to put on okay, my list. Okay. Before we go any further, hi, hi I'm Rachel. <laughs> You're not gonna keep this in. Go. Hi, I'm Meg. <laughs> and welcome to the Strange and Beautiful Book Club. Okay, now we've done the intro. <laughs>
Now we've done the intro. Meg got so overcome, she gagged a little bit. And I think, so what we're going to do, at, as you got a preface to, we're going to go through our top 10 vampire properties because Meg is our highest tier Patreon <laughs> for the longest time. Don't make it sound like I won a sweepstakes to be here. This makes me feel bad. You didn't win a sweepstakes. I wormed my way into your heart naturally through the internet like every creep does. She's a weird internet friend that I invited to my home and now we're going to record a podcast like you do. Um, Meg is a fellow vampire uh, aficionado. Of a similar vampire school, which I'm not a big fan of horror vampires. I'm not a big fan of pure romance vampires. I like The Middle Road, which is why we have an entire podcast about Forever Night, which one would argue is about the only television show you can find, which is directly Middle Road. Um, It's so good. (laughs) So I asked her here to talk about her top 10 vampire properties. I wrote down my top 10 vampire properties, and I figured it would be fun. And as I can tell, it already is. (laughs) So, Meg, do you want to start on your number 10? Okay. So, full disclosure. Okay. I I might have 11. (laughs) I had a hard time counting. I have 10 to 1, and then I have also... Below also, there's an there's more, and then I have pet peeves, wasted opportunities, and um, other things I felt like I should include. Oh, oh I feel like pet peeves and wasted opportunities is going to be just half of me talking about the things that I I enjoy because I feel like you and I have had this conversation I think uh, through Discord a whole bunch. There, there's just so much garbage. There's so much vampire garbage, and I feel like it doesn't need to be. And I feel like I shouldn't have to be as ashamed as I am to be like, oh, I like vampire TV shows. Oh, I like vampire books and movies. Because people in their head immediately go, oh, you like garbage? No, I don't like garbage. There's a lot of garbage out there. Yeah, you don't get to have pride as a vampire fan. No. You get to be like, oh, I'm a zombie fan. Don't don't you fucking love The Walking Dead? You get to be like, oh, yeah, werewolves, they're the best. But as soon as you're like, I like vampires, people are like, oh, you're weird and you like kinky sex. Yeah. Is that what you're saying? So, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, I broke my brain. I broke my brain. So, it was so accurate. So, I feel like you can say that you like, I agree with you entirely. You can say that you like zombies and people are like, oh, you like all these prestige TV shows and movies and even the comics, like the Walking Dead comics, I think. There's like a level of prestige with them. Um, And you can, they're like, oh, yeah, you can, you can look at, um, the Walking Dead and and discuss the human condition and like really like examine like people's souls and whatever. I feel like you can even do that a little bit with werewolves. You can be like, oh, like you like all the all the black and white werewolf movies. And there's like a certain like it like it's it's like saying I like any other kind of like noir movie. Like there's like a certain level of like respect. But like the second you say vampires, they're like, oh, fucking plastic leather coats, uh weird kinky sex shit, or you're like the super nerd with the gelled up hair who like lives in a basement somewhere and mouth breathes and eats Cheetos and like Which, you're just if you're that's gross. the life you've chosen for yourself, of course we always respect you here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying that's not my life, but I'm just. <laughs> it's just but that is the image that I think people yes. conjure. You're one or the other. You're like you're a super nerd or you're a pervert freak like those are the only or you're a super nerd and pervert freak in which case mazel tov congratulations i mean if you want to be all of those things perfectly fine yeah but don't i just don't put don't put that on me just because i told you i like vampires if i also like the other things too that's fine no yeah yeah absolutely like i don't like be kinky and bite people in your in your leather trench coats i don't do your thing have a good time right you know but also can i get a good vampire movie like why is it so hard 
I don't know. I feel like we get ones where we have a good premise. We're going to get there. We almost do. And then we just can't finish. Yes. Which actually, that that actually describes my like my number 10 pick, frankly. Okay, go. So go. Um, I, I got into a place where I just started typing in like vampires and Dracula and stuff into um, like the search feature on like Apple TV Plus just to see what came up. And I was finding a lot of um, like old timey 1930s, 1940s movies that I had never heard of before. And I don't have any self-control. So I bought a whole bunch of them. <laughs> um, one of which is called Dracula's Daughter, which I feel like the name of it, it sounds derivative. It sounds like garbage. It sounds like trash. It was amazing. It was so, it was something so unexpected. And the ending crashes and burns and it sucks. But like up until it gets to the ending. <laughs> always. It, always. Always. Okay. So picture this. The the woman who stars in this movie, who I should have looked up her name and I didn't, and I didn't do my homework and the whole podcast is ruined. But <laughs> she, the woman who stars in this, is so strikingly masculinely beautiful. Like if you closed your eyes and imagined Bella Lugosi and then like went, make him a lady, bam. Like that's what this woman looks like. So it's like a very striking, um, like really square head, but like be- so beautiful. Mm-hmm. So like if you saw her. Like Daryl Hannah. From Splash? Yeah. Daryl yeah. Hannah is a very, she's not a feminine pretty. I guess like in my head, I only ever think about her as being the mermaid in Splash. So it's hard for me to see. She's think also of her. Pris in um, Blade Runner. I still haven't seen <laughs> I know. I know. I have no. <laughs> Keep going. Yes. Masculinely pretty. I have no cultural capital. So she, okay. So she plays like the actual, it's not super clear to me whether she's the biological daughter, like Dracula and a lady had a baby and that's this woman or whether she's just a woman that was turned into a vampire by Dracula, so she's the daughter of him, like, vampire-wise. It's not yeah. really made clear, because it's the 30s, and they didn't care. Yeah. So um, the movie starts off with uh, her having stolen Dracula's corpse. So somehow Dracula and Renfield Respect. are both dead. Yeah, right, mm-hmm. yeah. I don't remember Renfield dying at the end of Dracula. but well, like he's not it, immortal, so. Well, yeah, but, like, they're, they're like, dead together is what oh. I mean, like, at the start of this movie, which I don't I recall. Don't Full disclosure, I actually hate Dracula, so. I know. I, <laughs> I feel like I go back and forth between neutral and, like, neutral-tinged positive. I like I liked some of the special effects that I didn't remember being there until I rewatched Dracula, and I like Bela Lugosi, but I feel like you have to have, what is the phrase you use, your context lenses in when you're yeah. watching, like, stuff from the 30s? Because things that are, like meant to be heightened somehow come across like extra heightened and then things that like they treat very subtly and one off you're like what what just happened why did you like you just brushed off that thing like it's yeah. it's a whole it's a weird it's a different movie watching experience but okay so i don't remember renfield dying in the original but in this renfield is dead in like coffin a and dracula's dead in coffin b and they're both in a big room together you know so she um hypnotizes like a police guard she goes in she grabs dracula's corpse she um goes out to the woods somewhere and she burns it because she thinks that it's going to cure her of her vampirism. Oh. And I'm like watching this 1930s movie with a vampire who doesn't want to be a vampire. And I'm like, what? You're like, oh, my God. What? Oh, my God. Achievement what? unlocked. Yes. Yes. I was like, where did this even come from? And um, so you and I have also been discussing uh, vampire literary fiction and how that's also a disappointing mire. Um, but the two books that we had been discussing recently – um, woman eating and the god of endings 
Which are both like they're fine. They're not great. They're I mean they're like they're they're, they're, okay. they're getting us on the pathway to better yeah. things. So I'm happy that they exist. But in both of those books, you have vampires who are artists, and I remember like remarking to you that seems weird that there's like this that you have these two books coming out at the same time with two lady vampires who are also like visual artists. Like that seems like. Is that a trope that I'm unaware of? Like, where did this come from? In this movie, there's a vampire who's an artist. And I was like, what? Uh, What? Are we going all the way back to Dracula's daughter? Is that where this comes from? This, to me, obscure, but, like, maybe not actually all that obscure movie. So, uh, okay. So, she drags Dracula's corpse out into the woods and she's like, I'm going to burn it so I don't have to live with this curse anymore. uh." And she has a familiar who is... Creepiest, but he's sort of like Lurch from the Adams family. I think he's meant to be like a regular human person. Like, I don't think he's like, a, I think he's like a regular familiar, not like a special supernatural, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and he is a jackass. We don't like him. His name is Sandor. He sucks. So she's like, I'm going to be human again. And he's like, yeah, no. So <laughs> she's like, whatever. So she burns the corpse and she thinks she's going to be made human again. Uh, it does not pan out for her. So then she meets this psychiatrist psychologist it doesn't it's the 30s they don't know either it's like some kind of a doctor who um deals with uh like addiction and things and he's like yeah i i've dealt with addicts and like it's sort of like Catherine disher in forever night like you're just gonna think real hard and then you won't be a vampire anymore it's fine <laughs> i'm sure we can figure this yeah, out yeah yeah just just drink the smoothie it's great so um she he he has like a fun relationship with his assistant. Uh, well, I think she's like assistant secretary, you know, woman of all trades who works for him. Yeah. Where they both just like shit talk on each other the entire time, which again for the thirties, I'm like, oh, okay, like you're both being like really aggressively dickish to each other, but like it's fun, haha, workplace sexual harassment. <laughs> so, um, it's like. It feels like one of those things where, like, you have two characters who just kind of, like, sass at each other. And then, like, afterwards, they like when one is in peril, they realize that we actually, like, we, we like each other. Mm. Sort of one of those relationships. So, um, long story short. So, Vampire Lady um, is, like, talks to him and he's, like, just try not to be a vampire anymore. <laughs> well, she, he doesn't know she's a vampire. It's, like, have just you tried addiction. not being a vampire? <laughs> have you tried not? So, like, um, he's like, what I recommend for addicts is that they basically, like, go right up until the edge of the thing that they, like, really want to do. And they, like, try to, like, by force of will not do that. And I'm like, well, that sounds dumb. But, like, okay, sure. It's the 30s. So she's like, okay, cool. So she has Sandor go find a pretty lady. So it's, like, early lady vampire lesbianism. Mm. So um, finds a pretty lady, brings her back so that she can paint her. And I'm like, what? The sort of the trope? What? So um, <laughs> so she brings, so they get um, Pretty Lady. Um, Pretty Lady uh, has just like a little like spaghetti strap under top, like under her little jacket. And she's like, oh, I assume you want me to like pull the straps down so you can you can paint a real good picture. And Vampire Lady's like, yes. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> so, so it's like it's like little 1936. It's just like bloop. Like oh, look at that. Look at that line of my shoulder where there's no mm-hmm. spaghetti strap there. What? Um, and vampire lady cannot control herself and almost murders her. So, um, victim goes to the hospital and psychiatrist is like, "What happened?" And she's like, "Oh, vampire." So um, <laughs> then uh, there's some other stuff that happens. So vampire lady ends up like kidnapping sassy secretary. Um, to her house she like so literally vampire lady goes from I don't want to be a vampire and the ways that I'm going to do that are um, burning Dracula's corpse didn't work Um, trying to be next to a hot sexy lady full of blood and not eat her well, I didn't work. Nah, didn't work. So I guess I'm a vampire forever and I'm like at that point I was like are you fucking are you kidding me? They always whiff the ending. 
Always with the ending. Yeah. So I'm like, I'm like, so at the beginning, she is so sympathetic. She is so like dramatic and sad and like, I don't want this life anymore and like free me from this curse and it's all drama and angles and lighting and I'm just like, oh, I love it. I love it so fucking much and she's so beautiful and every outfit, every costume is just, oh, so good. And then she's like, well, I tried two things and it didn't work. <laughs> I've tried nothing and I'm all out of I, ideas. Yes, <laughs> yes, yeah. yes. I tried. So I guess I'll just murder people. I tried um, sitting on my hands for 20 minutes and burning a body and none of it made me a human being. So, uh. so she's like, well, I guess what I need to do is steal the secretary so that a uh, psychiatrist comes after to try and get the secretary um, in which also when she steals the secretary there's like a very she like goes down to bite secretary's neck and then she's like interrupted it is like the most lesbian longing I've ever seen like she just slowly is bending over this woman's prone corpse just like inch by inch by inch and then the door flings open and it's like ah lesbian blue balls ah vampires <laughs> so, so so good. So, um, even it's like even unclear like what was going on there because she specifically tells Sandor like I'm not going to bite her because then like psychiatrist won't come if she's dead like there's no point to it and it's like well then what the fuck what was what are you going what's doing on there what's ah you just you can't even the lesbian vampirism is so strong you couldn't even <laughs> for like ten fucking minutes to like get this other guy you couldn't even just sit on your hands so then psychiatrist breaks in and it's like a whole it's a whole fight whatever. Um, and she's like, look, I will, um, I will wake up your secretary because she's under, uh, like a psychic sleeping spell kind of deal. It's, it's yeah. dumb. Don't it, worry it's, about it's it. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Plot, plot, plot. Uh, yeah. Plot, plot, which plot. she does with her magic ring, which is a very nice ring, by the way. So, um, mm. she's like, I will, I will wake her up with my magic blinky blinky ring. Um, if you let me turn you into my vampire lover forever. And he's like, well, okay. God, God damn it. All right. <laughs> yeah. He's like, I have no other choice. So she's about to turn him, and then Sandor, her fucking useless, he has like that, oh, what is that, um, the kid from Little Rascals with like, is it Alfalfa who has the one little oh, hair? Oh, yeah. Okay. So he has the fucking Alfalfa haircut, so I hate him because of his haircut already. He's a dickhead. So he's like, oh, you're going to make that random hot dude into a vampire to be with you forever and not me, your creepy asshole manservant who did not support your dreams, first off. <laughs> did not support your dreams. Um, he's like, well, fuck that. So he shoots her. <laughs> he fucking shoots her in the chest with like a bow and arrow. And so she's like, oh, sexy die. So she dies. And then oh, sexy die. <laughs> and then Thanks, like the, the, she it was very... I I wasn't a lesbian before watching this movie, but it's just <laughs> well, no, okay. it's writes down <laughs> Dracula's daughter. It's very. <laughs> I, I went through an emotional journey. So then, uh, so Sandor shoots um, Lady. I I don't remember the, her name is Countess something Maria something I think a just sexy lady vampire Dracula's daughter. So he shoots her, and then the cops finally show up because they're fucking useless in this movie. And then um, <laughs> the cops show up and they shoot Sandor like once in the chest because you know shoot first, ask questions later. Yeah, they die. Um, lady secretary wakes up and she's fine and she's good and normal. And I and she gets together with psychiatrist and movie. And I was like. Ah, yeah. Monsters die. Everybody is saved. The monster was so sympathetic, and she had like a problem, and she wanted to fix it, and she was trying to better herself. And it was, I was like, oh, and she's sexy and has beautiful outfits, and I was like, oh, I want more of this. And she paints, and I was like, that's fun. Can we see her painting? I would watch that. No, fucking try two things. Dead god. And I was just like, ah. Oh. But I recommend it. I recommend this movie. It is so. <laughs> it was like. 
$4 on iTunes? That's probably not right. I don't know. Less than $10. Pay the money. Pay the money to watch this. It is so good for like 75%. And then just turn it off. Turn it off at that point. Yeah. Because the ending is kind of a bummer. Get to the lesbian hot scene and then it's just. The whole thing. She's just so sympathetic. And it's it's a con. It's a conceit that like I don't. I didn't realize it was as old as this movie because the movie is is from the 30s, I think. Well, isn't Camilla? Camilla's like Camilla is yeah the original yeah. lesbian vampire, but like I, the the conceit uh, not of the lesbianism, but the conceit of like the I'm a vampire and I don't want to be. Mm. Um, I don't like this anymore. I don't want, like not like because I feel like I don't remember seeing anything like this before the 80s. I feel like before that it was just like I'm a vampire, or like I don't want to be a vampire, and then or I get comedy. turned and I'm super cool about it. Yeah, yeah. Like I'm either like really happy to be a vampire, um, or I'm like I'm sort of a, a zombie with better hair. Like like those are the only <laughs> zombie with better hair. Like those are the only and options they presented. Yeah, yeah. Like those are the only options. And so like to see this this progenitor of that idea of like the unwilling. The unwilling vampire who, like, is already a vampire, not the person who just, like, is going to be and doesn't want to be. Right. I was like, that's really interesting. And also, like, yeah, point number two, super fucking hot, this movie. <laughs> so good. Black and white drama, sexy outfits. I recommend it. Thank you, Meg. <laughs> <laughs> well, my number 10, I have a list, too. Mine's more contemporary. Sorry. I did um, Byzantium. Did we talk about Byzantium? That's my number 10. You and I have not talked about it. It's a movie. It's, I don't know why it didn't get any more hype. It's got Saoirse Ronan in it. It's got Gemma Arterton. Arterton? I forgot how to say her last name. Johnny Lee Miller, who was in Hackers. I know these names, I This feel like. is the one where vampirism is entirely mystical. Like, to become a vampire, you have to go to this island. And you have to have the map. And apparently you can get there in a rowboat from England. So it's somewhere in that vicinity. Because yeah, that, like, that narrows down the places in the world that this could be. <laughs> you can go pretty this, significantly. Like, you go in this temple. And if the gods like want to make you into a vampire, then like the waterfalls turn red and you get this whole like. Anyway, that aside, Saoirse Ronan, of course, is amazing. So She is great. Yeah. I like her. And it's a very like Gemma. Um, I forget what her character's name is, but she is like, she's just, it's like, I think the 1800s, whatever. She ends up getting sexually assaulted by um, Johnny Lee Miller's character. And he's like, I have now given you your profession. Ah! Yeah. So ah! that's your setup. That's no! your setup for the beginning. So she ends up getting pregnant and she has a baby and the baby is Saoirse Ronan. <laughs> And she gives the baby away to, like, sorry, nuns. I'm sorry, the baby is Sir Sharon is my new favorite <laughs> sentence I think I've ever heard. I just had this mental image we'll of, like, be, pop Sir <laughs> will be Sir Sharonin. So she gives her to, like, a nun, like a nunnery or whatever. Oh, no, no I know what nuns yeah, are. Yeah, yeah. You know, that. And then she finds out that, like, Johnny Lee Miller is being accepted into this, like, elite group of gentlemen dudes who are apparently all vampires because all vampires are male. And she's like, fuck Fucking you. She's like, fuck you. That's, dude, that's, that's awful. So she steals the secret map. Wait, wait, wait. Was he, okay, wait. Was he a vampire already? No. Okay, so it's just, it's just, we're going to invite you to join this group of people who are vampires. Yeah, they're and like, become we, a think, vampire. we think you're a cool enough dude. We want you to be in our dude group forever. Ugh. Even though you I hate rape women and I then tell them it. that they're whores now. I, yeah. The patriarchy to of this. To put it bluntly. Does he die violently? Of course he does. Oh, good. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. So I'm invested again. Okay. Because <laughs> she goes 
And um, she steals the map. Gemma's character steals the map. And she ends up becoming a vampire. And she shows back up and they're like, what have you done? You're like illegal. And she's like, fuck you. I've got the map. <laughs> You're illegal. <laughs> I'm, I'm a vampire now. So she's kind of on the run, but also kind of still in love with her daughter. So they end up like the same age because her daughter ages and she doesn't because now she's a vampire. Okay. Anyway. Yeah. And no. so Johnny Lee Miller, carrying on the tradition, finds her daughter and is like, I'm going to get back at her because she stole my opportunity to become a vampire she stole the map. Nobody knows how to get there now because she's the one with the map. What about the, all the other vampires? They don't know how to get They have to have the secret map. It's mystical. Don't ask questions. I mean, look, I'm bad at directions, but like if I've been to a place like six times with 10 other guys to make them vampires, you don't think you'd like, okay. Uh, no. Okay. I'm no. mad about it. Okay. No. All not right. if it's a mystical vampire island. Okay. But the whole point of this is eventually <laughs> Saoirse becomes a vampire and she is a very interesting character. She doesn't want to be what she is. She's in this, like, she hasn't processed her trauma, like, ever. Well, wait, how does she become a vampire? Like, who? Oh, okay. So you interrupted me. I'm sorry. But Johnny, I'm so Johnny Lee Miller finds her, and he's like, well, it worked with her mom. I think I'll do the same thing to her daughter. And um, Gamma shows up right after he's, like, raped her daughter. And so she kills him violently and then is like, I know it will make you feel better. Let's make you a vampire. So she takes her daughter out and makes her into a vampire. Fucking what? Yeah. Oh, it's good. <coughs> it's good. You just got to watch it. Look, I can't explain this movie. It's <sighs> wild. My only complaint and ironically, <laughs> one of my pet peeves is when we reinvent the wheel, they don't get fangs. They get like a sharp thumbnail. Boo. Boo. Gotta have, I mean. The fangs are the best part. <laughs> I hate it when we reinvent the wheel. But anyway, I think Byzantium is like way better than it gets credit for because it's more art house than it is like horror vampire. But wait, what? Okay, so mom's a vampire, daughter's a vampire. Then what? Bad guy has been murdered. Then what happens? Well, they're not allowed to be vampires because only dudes can be vampires. So they've been on the run. For like hundreds of years and to like process her trauma Saoirse Ronan's character writes out the story of what happened to them over and over again and then like throws it away and then writes it down and then throws it away and she ends up falling in love with this boy and she's like I kind of don't want to keep going the way we've been going because her mom's just been taking care of her even though they're the same age she's still kind of her mom yeah. and she's just been taking care of her this whole time so she like finds a guy exploits him like does exactly what she needs to do to survive is very exploited exploitative and Saoirse Ronan's like I'm really tired of this like I'm tired of hurting people I'm tired of like constantly having to be on the move because we can't have a real life like there is a way for us to to work this out like we can we can handle this and her mom hasn't told her that oh yeah by the way an entire secret society of vampire dudes is hunting us and trying to kill us well wait why does Saoirse Ronan think that they're just like always constantly on the move um, I don't because her mom kills people. I don't know. I mean, that's fair. That is fair. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. I don't, I don't want to keep going all the way to the end, but the ending's fine. I mean, it's not like, I don't know. It's one of those ones where you're like, okay. I mean, that wasn't. Happens. I can't tell you on the podcast. Why can't you tell me what happens? <laughs> I told you what happens with Dracula. Spoiling Dracula's a 1930s movie that's been out for a hundred <laughs> years is different than spoiling. Like uh. a, I think it's 2012-ish. <sighs> I don't know. Fast forward like 30 seconds, maybe a minute. But the boy that she falls in love with is like terminally ill. So she's like, aren't you in luck? 
I've got a map. <laughs> so she takes him and has, and then like the evil society of dudes finds them. And um, Gemma's kind of like, I don't know. I'm pretty sure it's 2020, it's 2012 or 2014, whenever this movie came out. Um, don't you think we can move past this now? And the guy's like, okay, yeah, I'm willing to give you a shot. There's more to it than that. But basically, he always liked the one that's hunting them, he yeah. always liked her, but he was a vampire. He was in the secret society. He couldn't really. I am so enraged by this movie. <laughs> you gotta watch this movie. The whole premise. It's number of this. ten. It's number ten. That's why it's far down. It's good. It's good because it's one. It's unexpected. Yeah, I didn't expect any of the things you said to me. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. What's your nine? I don't know. Okay. So for nine, I have. I actually. It's like nine A and nine B. <laughs> So <laughs> nine part one, nine part two. Yeah. And I I will not go into them as much in depth as with Dracula's Daughter because that's the reason that they're nine A and B. So um, I'm calling these the music video vampire movie. Okay. Which is to say it looks nice and the music is great and I have feelings while watching it and I enjoy it and I would watch it again. But the plot seems entirely beside the point. Um, the character development it also is beside the point. Like it's just it's one that you just turn your brain off and you go, This is real pretty. And you just <laughs> you just sit there and you you soak in the prettiness. So right. <clears throat> my two my, my nine A and my nine B are a girl walks home alone at night and only lovers left alive. Okay. So a girl walks home alone Agreed. at night. Right okay. So yeah. a girl walks home alone at night is um an Iranian Iranian can't say that right, it's fine, I'm trash. An Iranian um vampire western in black and white and that sounds that sounds like it's trying to be more than what it is like it sounds like ooh, like art house it's not it's but it's good it's so good it's story-wise like there is there is really no story it's sort of just like scenes scenes that happen with this um iranian vampire girl and she eventually character driven not there but they're not even really characters like they're just they're sort of like they're part of this beautiful scenery. It's sort of hard. Like, the vampire girl doesn't get a name. I think she's just the the vampire girl. Mm-hmm. Um, her boyfriend, not boy, her, the boy she leaves at the end of the movie with, who might at some point become her boyfriend, his name is Arash. Um, they they get together. She kills some people. And, like, at the end of the movie, like, they, they leave together. Like, there's, like, very little that happens. But visually, it is so creative. Okay, so she wears, she's got a little striped T-shirt and, um, sort of 1950s type jeans. She's riding around on um, a skateboard a whole bunch and she wears a shador, so like the long um, the long cloak that kind of goes over the top of your head. She's not wearing mm. like a full on, she doesn't ever have it covered. Um, I think maybe one time she kind of dramatically covers her face under the eyes, but like generally it's just sort of like she she took this and like plopped it on the top of her head and it just kind of like sits, sits on like the back of her head and kind of drapes okay. down behind her. So... If you imagine that silhouette on a skateboard and the way that her, the shador, like the cloak kind of billows around her, it's it's sort of one of those things where you're like, how did I never visually put that together with the Dracula cape? Like, how yeah. did that never occur to me ever in a million years before this? And then you see her and you're like, that is the same silhouette. It's the exact same fucking silhouette. <clears throat> and it's one of those things where, like, I feel like if I told you there's an Iranian girl wearing, like, religious garb. You'd be like, oh, is it one of those, like, I'm cute and innocent, don't worry about me. Like, And then, like, she turns into, like, a scary vampire. Like, you'd think that's where they're going. It's not. The religious garb on its own, like, is what makes her menacing. Like, it's just, like, no one else in the nice. movie 
Um, it's set in a city called Bad City. Because um, it's, again, it's not trying that hard. And that's mm-hmm. okay because it's beautiful. Um, there's like a little like 10-year-old boy who's kind of like a little punk-ass kid. And then there's Arash whose father is the drug addict. And I think he... I don't. I I know you do see where the guy works, and I don't. I don't remember very much about it. Uh, he ends up also being a drug dealer, like uh, by convenience at the end of it. But like, it doesn't really matter. So like, no one else is wearing like religious, religiously like affiliated clothing. Gotcha. Um, there are characters that are like. I mean, the um, the drug dealer slash pimp. He's kind of dressed like the way that you would imagine if you close your eyes and you're like Iranian drug dealer pimp. Bam! Like that's what he looks like. <laughs> okay. So, um. Like, it's not, and the movie is sort of, like, like time period-wise, it's kind of hard to tell. Like, it sort of feels like the 50s. Um, but then there's, like, there's, like, those um, cordless house phones that sort of make me think maybe the 80s. It's one of those, like, ambiguously timed. It could yeah. be, yeah. It could be really, like, at any, at any point in time, but it doesn't, it doesn't feel especially, like, of the moment. It feels, like, slightly in the past, and I, I couldn't tell you when. But so, visually, okay, so she's got the Shador, and it blows, it bills around her. And then, and I don't really understand, I don't know how to, like, explain this in a way that makes sense. But, like, you know how different vampire properties will have the fangs, like, will have different fangs? Yeah. Um, and, like, I feel like traditionally we have, it's, like, the fang, the fangs are on the, two, on the is it your canines? Canines, yeah. Yeah. So, um, and then True Blood had them on the those teeth, the, the eye teeth that are, like, one set closer to your front yeah. two teeth. Okay. So, on her, on the vampire... I don't know if that's where her canines are or if they did, in fact, go, like, one extra row out. But they seem, like, really, really wide, like, far apart. So the effect that you get with these really wide um, fangs, which also kind of do the true blood, like, click, click, like, like in and out, like. Yeah. Like, so um, the effect that you get with the the hood behind her and the really wide space fangs makes her look like a cobra. Mm. And, like, I don't know why it never, like, obviously, like, obviously, like, when you have the true blood vampires and the fangs are coming in and out, like, that's either, like, a spider or a snake, right? Like, that's, yeah. like, obviously, like, that's visually what they're pulling from. But somehow it never, it, it didn't it, hit. It didn't hit me. Like, it was never, I was just like, okay, a new, a new way for vampire fangs. Like, cool. Like, a new, a new masturbatory aid. Great. And, like, it never, it, like, never occurred to me. <laughs> it never occurred to me, like, that that's, that's the, the thing from nature that they were pulling from. And in this movie, they make it, like, a really clear visual reference to her being a serpent. And there's even when she she bites um, the drug dealer at, at some point. There's, like, even a moment where she's kind of doing that thing that cobras do where oh, they, like, hypnotize you with their eyes and kind of, like, it's like a, like a cobra stare. And then she kind of rears back and then, like, right at him, like, to bite him. And it's, the snake imagery is so unexpected and so delightful and so perfect and it's sort of like how did how did I never how did I never get to that so like as a movie I feel like it's not really a movie it's it's a music video it's a short Mm -hmm. it's a I mean I think it's like an hour and a half long so it's not you know a short short but like the story-wise like do I know how she became a vampire no do I know her name no like do I know where she's going at the end of the movie no do I know anything about her except that she seems to have like a really good collection of vinyl records and uh, she stole a skateboard from a kid no, like that's no, that's but it's kind still of, enjoyable. It's yeah, entertaining. Anyway. Yeah, it's a yeah. it's a vibe. It's a feeling, and so that's kind of the same, the same thing I get from Only Lovers Left Alive. Although I feel like Only Lovers Left Alive wants you to know it's an important movie. Yeah, I, I never I get. It's always on the list. Like if you Google non romance, non horror vampires, it's like oh, you mean Only Lovers Left Alive? Yeah, and it's like well, thank you. I also love Tilda Swinton and 
And Tom Hiddleston. Yeah. Like Mad uh, Love for Everyone. And Anton Yelchin is in that too. Yes, like R.I.P. You drank him. Ian. <laughs> like, okay, great. I But I feel like it was a movie that didn't know... I mean, they knew what they kind of wanted yeah. to say, but they didn't. Also, didn't know what. The, that's they, that's why it's so low down my. I, I I like it as a vibe. I like it as a yeah. music video. I think the sets are sumptuous. I think the I like that it's clearly made by someone that knows Detroit and loves Detroit and mourns for the Detroit that used to be. And I I find that really compelling. Also, um, having lived in Michigan a little bit and having just like a little bit of familiarity with the beauty and the rundownedness and the like nostalgia for what was there before it all turned into spare. Yeah. Um so I I like I like all the vision. And then even when they go into I don't know where they actually filmed, but like the part of the movie where they're in um Morocco. I'll, is that where Tangiers is? I am I thinking of Oh. No, you're right. No, you're to, no you're totally right. That's it's Tangiers because I keep thinking Algeria, but that's because I don't know anything about the world, so um, <laughs> like I'm pretty sure that's where they. No, go. you're right. You're totally right. But so when they're when they're in Morocco, um, like there's a similar amount of care to the surroundings. I feel like, like it feels like you're in an actual place. You're you're not on a set somewhere. Like it feels like a very real lived in world. I think their um, their homes, like where she's covered in books everywhere, and he's covered in like um, Music musical and, instruments and, yeah. and and records and things. I think. Um, it's it feels like a very real place and their their clothing is perfect. I kind of hate that they all have um I've never brushed my hair hair. Yeah, the really dry hair. It's I don't know. I I don't know why it bothers me so much. Maybe like because only maybe only because like I know that like I've had that hair. Like if I had like a week <laughs> where like I didn't have to like be anywhere and I was depressed and like I didn't like brush my hair. Like that hair is a bitch. That yeah. hair is a bit you have to cut that hair off. You can't brush through that hair. That hair is like I know that like they can't see each other in mirrors. Maybe they don't. I know they don't really go into mirrors in this movie. But like you can see him and he can see you. So like brush each other's fucking hair. Just fix it. Yeah. So I I don't know why even even um the Christopher Marlowe vampire also has I've never brushed my hair hair and I'm just yeah, like I, I think don't, it's supposed to be like a this is a this is a telltale sign of vampirism that your hair is your checked. hair. I you don't know what conditioner is. Maybe they're allergic to conditioner. I you know what I would love that sequel. Yeah. I just. Um, so other than the fact that their hair disturbs me more than I realized until we started talking about it, in which case I really, I don't <laughs> it like it. disturbs me greatly. That's one of the re- <laughs> I'm like, oh, the one with the hair. It's upsets. It's it's upsetting because yeah. everything else is so beautiful. And then they're like, what if we just fucked up your hair? And I'm like, don't do that to Tilda Swinton. Tom Hiddleston does not yeah. deserve that from you. They are beautiful people who need beautiful hair. I mean, the whole point was, here's how thin the veneer of civility is. But did we have to have the hair? Like the hair doesn't forward the Yeah, the when plot. you're in a rock club, like that doesn't make you any more vampiric than the guy next to you. Like right. So but like I feel like the movie and I don't know if this is just me revealing my dumbness, and that's that's fine. I can be the dumb one on this podcast. But like I feel like the movie sits there and goes like I have a deeper meaning that you just cannot see yet. It's there. It's, it's very there. art. It's very on the nose. It's very, it, they were talking to us, people like us, but they were like, oh, you want an elevated vampire experience. Like, no, I want a horny vampire, but I want the horny vampire who doesn't want to be a vampire who yes, like, yeah, no, I have, struggles to spit into needs. real life. I will say that like the sexlessness of this and I don't I don't mean that I mean there there is I don't recall there being like any actual like sex scenes but like there are nudity scene but like but that's what I mean so like the nude the nude moments are somehow so sexless 
uh, and their bodies are like exactly the same. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I'm, yeah. for the movie, I'm sure like Tilda Swinton is a beautiful lady and Tom Hiddleston is a masculine man, but like somehow, somehow like they're, they're nude, jacked up hair bodies. Yeah. I think they were supposed to feel um, androgynous. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So like the, I, and I'm fine with, I kind of like that they have, I like their relationship but it also it just sort of feels meandering and like mm-hmm. and like winking at the audience like there's a there's a deeper meaning that I'm that I'm trying to um, impart to you and you're just too stupid to get how how genius this movie is and then all the scenes with them wearing gloves and taking off gloves and like touching things and knowing how old they are and I'm just like are you are the gloves are is that you putting up a barrier between yourself and other people but then there's moments where you're like not wearing the gloves and you're like with other people like i literally <laughs> sat there and i was like gloves on gloves off gloves on gloves off like what's the meaning and then i was like maybe this is like every other thing in my life where i'm trying to find the dig the deeper meaning i'm trying to dig into it and maybe there is no deeper meaning and it's just uh tom hiddleston with no genitals and Tilda Hinton, Tilda <laughs> Swinton. Tilda Hinton. <laughs> I had a little, a little mini stroke. It's fine. Tilda Swinton uh, also with no genitals. And they're just – she has an annoying little sister. And then they have to go to Morocco and eat people yeah, because – basically. Uh, yeah. I'm just – I'm like – That was the entire plot. Yeah. She has a little sister. They have to go to Morocco and eat people. The end. Yeah. And there's some mushrooms somewhere in the middle there. And he somehow has an electric car that he invented – Yes, yeah, that he's um, like an inventor in his spare time. Yeah, the mushrooms. I I kept thinking about the mushrooms, like the those poison amanita mushrooms that pop yeah. up. This is not your season. Okay, okay. Why? Why? I'm real dumb. I don't like when movies spe- like spoon feed, <laughs> but like you know what? It turns out I'm stupider than I thought it was. Like life is hard. My no, brain is I melting. Think it's just like, one of those what? movies. It's one of those that like, you know, you get it or you don't get it, and. Nobody actually gets it, but everybody has to say they do. Because if you say you don't, then you're the one that didn't get I, it. But you know what, Jim Jarmusch? Like, could you email me? Maybe could you just tell me? I don't know. My favorite what's going on. Favorite use of this character is Tilda Swinton reprises this role <gasps> for yes! what we do in the shadows. Yes! And I was like, all right, I forgive I, you. I forgive you everything, Tilda. I do love. I don't remember what episode that's in, but when when all of the famous movie and TV vampires show up for like the Zoom call with the Vampire Council in what we yes. do with the va- what we do in the shadows, with the premise that all these actors are actually vampires, and I was like, you know what? I I know that like they're calling Tilda Swinton Tilda Swinton and not Eve in the TV show because they didn't have the rights to to bring like the character across from the movie. Like I get that, but I. It makes me retroactively like Only Lovers Left Alive more yeah. if I assume that Tilda Swinton is just playing is herself just, in yeah, that movie. Yeah, they just they gave her a wig because her hair doesn't look like that, and then she just played herself. Yeah, she's in a movie called Orlando. It's one of the like it's what I always remember her from. She's in it with Billy Zane. And is that Orlando? Like, is it Virginia Woolf? Who may, wait? The it's the character that goes like man, woman, man, like changes she gender. Change, she changes. He changes from a man to a woman, and he does. She does. They do in the movie. And so that was the first thing I'd ever seen Tilda Swinton in. And for a very long time, I did not know if Tilda Swinton was female. It's my favorite thing about she um she does that um a little bit in Constantine. Totally fine. Yeah, she's androgynous and she's non binary in um Constantine because it's supposed to be an angel. Angels don't have genders, but like in Orlando, she is so believable as both that for a yes. long time I was like, that's really cool. This character, this actor plays like whatever. She is such they a good like. actress. And so is Tom Hiddleston. And it's all like, I feel like I feel like they're bringing their A game to a movie with no plot. But like Jim Jarmusch went, 
there's a secret plot. And then they all just had to be like, yeah, okay, secret <laughs> okay, plot. And then they good. just and they just acted their hearts out. So it's so it's, He's like, "Though you'll understand when I edit it all together. It's fine." No, but nobody does. No, so. I no. Uh, and if the if there was one guy that did, I have to think that Jim Jarmusch probably shot him in the head and went, "You you can't tell the secret to anyone." <laughs> just like like a pirate lined them all up <laughs> yes. around a hole. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, no one else will find the treasure on this island. And inside <laughs> the treasure is like a DVD commentary for the movie <laughs> that explains what's going on. So like it must never be found. <laughs> I so I recommend both of these movies. I feel like I understand A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night because I don't think there's like subtext. That, maybe I missed this. Maybe there's a lot of subtext. Maybe there's that makes sub- oh my god, is there subtext? <laughs> there's but always I, subtext. I, I know. I I'm I'm simple. So I just feel like <laughs> A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night is just beautiful, and like I don't suspect that there's a secret key. I feel like with Only Lovers Left Alive is beautiful, but I I feel like I feel a little bit like playing Super Mario. Where, like, I know that there's a secret room somewhere off the screen, and I know that, like, if I could figure out a way to, like, glitch myself under the ground and, like, find the key, then I would open the door that would get me to the secret room. Like, I know that there's a secret room there. Mm -hmm. But I also know that I am not a skilled enough Super Mario player to find that key to get to that room. But it's still an enjoyable game, even if you don't find the secret room. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's I I enjoy it the way that I enjoy Super Mario on a a, a superficial, basic I'm I'm never gonna be the speed player. I'm gonna be the real simple one who maybe gets to the end sometimes, maybe. So my number nine is a book. I was like, I won't do all movies. I'll do some books. So number nine is Cultured. a book. I know, and it's an okay book. It's good. You know what? I I put it on the list because I always appreciate when an author tries to do something different. But not so different that I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> I understood that exactly. There, okay. There is a there's a sweet spot of, ooh, you have given me something new and interesting to think about, but but not, oh, now I have a sharpened thumbnail instead of fangs. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Make a vampire still identifiably a vampire, but like add your own little flair to it. Right. So that is The Shadow Saga, which the first book in it is Of Saints and Shadows by a author named Christopher Golden. And he, it's an older book. It came out in like the 90s, but I think they've re-released it. I found it on Amazon and it was like, ooh, the, they have, it's like the Peter, Peter Octavian saga or something now, but it's the shadow saga. And we pick up with this character that I wish we had a whole book of him just as this character, which he's like, of course he's solving crimes because they're always solving crimes, but all vampires have to solve crimes. All vampires must solve crimes, but it is a, he's like a detective. He's like a private eye. But he's a vampire. I think we found the new podcast slogan. <laughs> All vampires must solve crimes. Yes. Yeah. Sorry. I got to – okay. I'm sorry. Like why? Why? I don't know why. But they all have to be involved in true crime. But he is like a vampire, but he doesn't partake in – they call it the blood song. But it's like he doesn't – because, of course, we have to come up with another name for it. Maybe they felt the same way about the word feed that I did. Christopher was like, I think I can come up with something different. Um, Blood song. But kind of the premise is – Hang on. The premise is there's this secret Catholic sect that is like dedicated to eradicating all vampires. I I believe that actually, yeah. Yeah. And at a certain point, so this is a bit of a spoiler, but at a certain point, they gathered up a bunch of vampires and like brainwashed them into believing that they were like allergic to the sun and that all this other stuff was true about them. And it actually isn't. And what they can do is a vampire can change their form infinitely. So you can't just turn into a bat. You can turn into like anything you want to, including if you believe it, you can turn into fire in the sunlight. Okay. So they're just, they're so psychically brainwashed 
that when they go out into the sunlight, they subconsciously make themselves burst into flames. Yes. (sighs) (laughs) Just give it a shot. But he has to like, that's part of the plot is like, they are all, they are dying out because they have all of these weaknesses, but they don't actually have any of those weaknesses. They just believe they do. But anyway, it's it's a good, it's an interesting take. I think about it a lot, which is why I put it on here because every once in a while I'm like, what? If, who thought of that? Like, what if it's really all in their mind? I mean, I know that like in True Blood they had kind of the inverse of that where they're like. Oh yeah, all the stuff about not being able to be seen in mirrors and like that's that's all stuff that we told people so that they would not suspect yeah. that we were vampires. So like I, I I'm interested in the deconstructing of the myths, but also I fucking hate that that sounds awful. Does someone <laughs> do, is the is but in the same time I fucking hate that and it sounds awful. Is, <laughs> is okay, is the main character or like a main character is there is it like like a someone realizes that these weaknesses are actually not weaknesses, like that they're actually like he not. Has is to it steal one of those this book? There's this like secret book that they have, and it's the book of shadows or something. The what it's named after of saints and shadows, and he has to get this book because it's what has like it's like the fighting manual for destroying vampires, and. He wants to get it because they're not sure why they have so much power over them, like why the Catholic Church has so much power over them. And so they're trying to unpack huh. it. And so that's why it's a bit of a spoiler, because he doesn't find that out till he steals this book. And then he has to read it. And he's like, oh, shit. Okay. I mean, I like – I'm interested in the, like, Catholic Church versus vampires angle, uh, especially if the Catholic Church is villains, because I was raised Catholic and that appeals to me. <laughs> um, so I <laughs> – Sorry, Catholic listeners. Um, I so like I I find that interesting, but I feel like I'm still stuck on the like we've all subconsciously taken in this myth that will burst into flames if we go outside, and so therefore because of that we will burst. Like I feel like I feel like that's that's another common theme that I hadn't realized was a common theme until like the more that we're talking about this, like the idea that of like vampirism as like a not like an actual addiction, but like as a as a psychic crutch that we've all put on ourselves like the mm. whole like like um i keep calling her Catherine disher um dr natalie lambert being like just will yourself to not be a vampire and yeah. the psychiatrist and dracula's daughter will yourself not to be a vampire and now now we have someone who's we have like the the flip side of that where it's people um psychically imposing like vampirism style what would you call that um weaknesses, weaknesses on yeah. on vampires but it's like, but again, none of this is real. It's it's all imposed by your, by your psyche. Well, and we, and there's that one episode of Forever Night, which have you guys talked about the the lady with the three personalities? Not yet. Okay. So, no. but there's the, so like the but this idea of like vampirism as like a. If you just don't know you're a vampire, thing. are you a vampire? Yeah, I just like <laughs> yeah. I, that. I find that so frustrating. I mean, like the version that you're talking about seems less annoying because it's someone externally brainwashing you into thinking a thing and your physiology has made it so that whatever you think becomes reality and so therefore you've been brainwashed into thinking you're going to burst into flames so today you burst into flames like yeah it's less annoying but i feel like i feel like if you go if you go into like psychic trauma vampirism like what you're what you're actually describing is you're describing a human being who is under a mental delusion 
And that's why they're biting people and drinking their blood. So, like, if that's all it is, like, that's an interesting well, story. I mean, they like, are so. vampires. No, like, no, yeah, oh, I know. Okay. I'm just saying, like, that the the psychic, the, like, will yourself to not be a vampire conceit, which feels like a related concept to the, um, these tropes of vampirism are all in your mind. Like, yeah. I feel like, I feel like the whole, I feel like the whole all in your mind thing only works for me if it's a human being, a yeah. regular human being who, for whatever reason, is insane or under a, a delusion or like a mental break that has made them think that they're a vampire and they're actually just just a human being this entire time. Um, and like that's an, that's a story, that's an interesting story, I guess. But like, I I feel like you're either a vampire or you're not. So like, if you're a vampire and you and you burst into flames and you have fangs and you've lived for eight hundred years. Then it's not all in your head, you know. Like, <laughs> yes. I don't know. I, I, it's it's a pet peeve. It's yeah, a, I was gonna say this feels like a pet peeve. It's a, where it's we a pet reduce peeve. we reduce the complexity of what's going on down to like, have you tried just not, not being a yeah. vampire? Which feels like so. Here's what you, this, the reason that's where that we I, get. I mean, that's where we get into the vampires metaphor for mental health. Have you tried yes. just not being depressed? Have you tried just yes. maybe you need to choose happiness. Have you tried choosing happiness today? See, this is, okay. It's because it's the shadow side of the thing that I love most about vampires. Like, vampires as symbols of addiction and mental illness and, like, despair. Like, and like being I, othered. And being yeah. othered in any way. Yeah. I, I, like the, I like vampirism as a stand-in for all of those things. And so... In real life, being like, could you just not be gay or black? Like, that doesn't work. <laughs> or could you just not be depressed? Could you just not be addicted to alcohol? Just think real hard and be not addicted. Yeah. Like, that doesn't work. So, like, I feel like when I see that in a vampire thing, the only way that works is if you're not actually addicted or black or gay or a vampire like that's the only way that it doesn't work <laughs> that's the only way yeah. it, that's the only way that it works otherwise i hate it i hate it so much it sucks it, i think that's why i don't like um when we have an easy solution to the blood problem like as soon as there's a cop out like oh i just magically always have blood bags well where are you getting them from are you like yeah no i'm i'm with you and i because I, I don't want a cure. Like I don't. I want this to be a problem that we learn to manage. I don't want this to be something that is really just like. Yeah. It doesn't affect your life at all, except it makes you immortal. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. No. Vamp. Yeah. I. Well. So that that brings me back to the. The other pet peeve, like vampires need to be vampires. If a va if you're like he's a vampire and that's why he lives for a million year for a million years and the only indication of his vampirism is that he lives for a million years or let's say to pull something totally out of thin air uh <laughs> if the only indication that you're a vampire is that you have gelled up hair and your skin sparkles no <laughs> no i hate it and you're not a vamp where are your teeth where are your where's your where blood your addiction teeth? <laughs> where's your blood addiction where's your sadness and despair and not just regular not just regular robert pattinson and despair i want real despair i want you know i want yeah i want vampires to actually be vampires and i'm not saying that like i mean obviously there's like there's a million like different little tropes that like some 
some stories use and some stories don't use. Like, there's a lot to pick and choose from, but there's, like, a core nugget essence of vampirism. And if you don't have that core nugget, then make your character not a vampire. They're a wizard who lives forever. They're a zombie. They're a witch. They're a scientist who discovered some something that they could inject in their cells and now they live for it. Like, fucking make your vampires vampires and make your vampirism mean something. And I feel like those two things, that's all I want from this life. Why can't I... Why <laughs> can't so hard? Why can't I get that from my yes. vampire pop culture? Yes, it's Vampirism so needs to mean something and the vampires need to be vampires. And, like, I don't... I okay. I'm, right. I'm tired. So you're number eight. I'm sorry. <laughs> I went into my soul there, and that, I came no, out. No, that's fine. I think that was that was a good. I mean, that's. I think that's the lament of a lot of vampire fans who are criminally underserved. Criminally underserved. Criminally underserved. The fact that I can Google, like vampire movies, like I said before, non romance, non horror, and it's literally the same ten titles, same ten books, same ten movies, same ten. Like same two. Well, and it makes shows. it makes me feel like the beggar at the feast. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like there are so many vampire movies, and they're mostly garbage. There are so many vampire novels, and like I'm not against like the urban fantasy genre. I think that's a good place to like to start. But every time I pick them up, it's like, oh, it's a lady in a trench coat with a job, and she meets a vampire, and he's real annoying. Like, oh, I hate it. <laughs> Dumb. Oh, are they gonna get together? Yeah, in this book and every other book, probably. Like. <laughs> I, I liked the True Blood books until, or the Sookie Stackhouse books, until after going through six of them, I was like, oh, it's the same story over and over, except in this one, he's a were-tiger, and in this one, he's a vampire. And then they added in all the, like, princes and fiefdoms. I know. No. I don't want vampire royalty. I fucking hate vampire royalty. I yeah, want vampires can't have government. That's another pet peeve. Right. I, well. Hard pass. I'm not against the kind of government that's, like, in what we do in the shadows, like, where it's sort of, like... Yeah, they have like affinity clubs or like or like um in Moonlight and in I know there's other shows that do this where it's sort of like um we have a cleanup network or yeah. um in Being Human even like where the cops um are vampires or there's like enough vampires on the on the police force that like that's how they clean stuff up. Yeah. Like fine. Yeah. No, they're like have an infrastructure, don't have royalty. Like right. I feel like infrastructure, not government. Like not Yeah. Yeah. Don't yeah. have a king. Don't have rules. Just have like okay. Yeah, because it's annoying. Yeah, and I don't know empire capitalism. I don't know why it annoys me so much, but it makes me, it makes me <laughs> want to ball up my fists and roll my eyes and go. This is why people think we're nerds. Like I just, <laughs> it's because you don't want an external force exerted on the vampire to make them a good guy. Like I want my vampire like free. Well, Free but to even, do whatever they want and then choosing to do the right yeah, thing. Yeah, but then even a lot of times the vampire society is what's the force on them to make them bad guys, right? Like to encourage them to like stay being vampires and stay being, you know, evil yeah. and stuff. But it's still annoying. Like it's the whole annoying. point of this is I want a free character. I don't uh, want yes. a character that like if I'm going to be immortal, I better fucking be immortal and have no rules. I want. I better not be immortal and I have just another president. <laughs> Someone else you have to pay taxes <laughs> Somebody to. Somebody else to pay taxes I. To. I want – so because I like vampirism as a stand-in for different aspects of the human condition, I want my vampires in the real world. As much of the real world as I possibly can. And that's why I don't mind – and I, I like even when they're like, oh, um, here's here's the infrastructure that we have so that you don't discover us because that feels like it supports the real world. Because mm-hmm. you'd be going like, oh, surely – 
the hospital would notice that, you know, they, they put six bags of blood in there yesterday and there's only one left and they don't have anything on their chart showing where five bags of blood went. Like, so I, I like when, when it's the infrastructure that supports, um, going, oh yeah, I could see that in real life. Like I, I like that stuff, but the stuff that, but like the, oh, my, my principality, like, no, like that, that takes me out of it. And it takes me out of it, um, from the real world standpoint and it takes me out of it because it doesn't jibe with the vampirism as symbol, it becomes vampirism as like a high fantasy and like fuck your unicorns. I don't want them. <laughs> fuck your. I don't. <laughs> Anyways, right, I'm you're sorry. You're number eight. <laughs> I so I you know what because I'm I'm being real slow. So my eight and my seven and my six are kind of kind of I'm gonna roll them together in a fat little ball. Okay. And I'm gonna call them my '80s vampire romps. Okay. So um, <laughs> I love that you're themed. I it's because I'm not good at the numbering things. <laughs> I don't want to choose amongst I'm my a children. Lawyer. I don't do math. I numbers are hard for people like me. <laughs> so, um, they my my category of '80s romps. I have uh, the Lost Boys. Mm, of course, I have Once Bitten, and I have My Best Friend is a Vampire. Oh yeah, my best friend is. I almost put my best friend. I bought it. <laughs> Amazon, I was like, my best friend is a vampire. And it was only like $5.99. So I bought it. And then I watched Kronos instead. But I was like, Have you, wait, have you not seen it? My best friend is a vampire. I've seen it. Oh, okay. All right. I was gonna, I was gonna have a moment. No, no, I have seen it. Yeah. You're like, (gasps) No, I, Renee Albergeois is in it. I know. Yeah. So of course I've seen that one. Okay. So, um, do you like Once Bitten? I, I do. I do. So I almost, I'm going to be entirely honest, I almost put Once Bitten into the same category as music videos. But mm. then I realized that really, it has, I mean, it is, it is, obviously it's from like 19, I want to say 80, I want to say 87. It's, it has more in common with the other 80s movies in that, like the music videos and also like all the 80s movies, like what I want from a plot and internal consistency, it it doesn't have that to offer me. And I I, I get <laughs> but that. It's fun. It's a fun movie. It's fun. It's funny. It's just it's because it's because it's those it's an eighties romp, like I just know that um if I try to tear not tear it apart, if I try to pick it apart to understand the world that they have presented me, like it falls into tiny little pieces that make yeah, no sense. Don't do that. But like once bitten for anyone who hasn't seen it, which stop listening right the fuck now. Go <laughs> go buy it. It's like like Rachel said. It's like five dollars. I I'll give you the five dollars. It's so don't don't hold me to that. It's so <laughs> this blood's for you, isn't that? Or we were talking about once bitten. My best friend is a vampire. There's the scene where he's going through the like the montage of like you can manage your condition like you have all these oh, things yeah. and he goes yeah this blood's for you and he like holds they're up his all, little can they're of all they're all so funny like they're all i just they're funny and they're sweet and like it's the 80s so you, there's going to be some things where you're like oh it didn't age well so like just prepare yourself for that but it's i okay so once bitten um is high school age jim carrey so uh, the other secret hidden theme of everything on my list is that like most of them have Canadian actors because I have to, <laughs> I have to support them. <laughs> my soul won't let me not. So um, it's cute young high school age Jim Carrey. Um, he wants to get laid, but unlike Fright Night, he and his girlfriend they both equally want sex, which I feel like for an '80s high school movie is like what, what? like mind blowing. Yeah. She wants sex, but she's like. 
A, I don't want to blow you in the back of an ice cream truck, which I think is fair. It's fair. Absolutely fair. Yeah. And um, I don't know if I'm ready yet. So, like, let me figure out, like, let me get myself, like, emotionally to the point of readiness. And then I'm cool. I would love to have sex with you. I'm like, wow. Wow, that feels so progressive that she's not like, oh, I'm frigid. But <laughs> like, like how consent feels progressive. It does. How, how do you know you've been watching too many 80s and 90s shows? Well, I think, mm. well, yeah. But I mean, like, if you go back and watch these things from the 80s, it's either like you you have to be like, you have to be un, unwilling, but eventually concede to having sex. That's, that's the sweet spot for women. Because yeah. if you want it too much, you're a whore. And if you don't want it, you're frigid. So you have to be like, no, I don't wink. Like that's where you have to be in the eighties yeah. or, you know, in, um, what's that, uh, the movie we just, Revenge of the Nerds. You have to be like in Revenge of the Nerds where you're mm. willing, but for someone who's not the person you're having sex with, which gross. So, reep, reep. <laughs> yeah, just awful. Red flaggy. Terrible. So I like this does feel super progressive um, that she wants sex, but she's like, just not yet. Like, let me figure my shit out, dude. So then um, Jim Carrey and his two weird little friends, one of whom is very mousy and one of whom is like very horny, go out to this weird 80s club, which I'm I'm hoping this is like an actual type of club they had in the 80s. But it seems so foreign to me, just so bizarre that like. Maybe it was made up whole cloth for this movie. I don't know. But it's essentially a club where every table has a little tiny telephone on it um, and a number, like a two-digit number. And if you look across the room and be like, oh, the lady at table number seven seems cute, you pick up your phone, you dial 07, and you're like, hi. And I'm like, in modern times, this would just be people sexually harassing each other over the phone across the room where you could get to watch. Isn't that Tinder? Maybe. Yeah, the one that's like people nearby you. Yeah, I think yeah. some of them do have that, like, you yeah. know, hook up near me. I, I wouldn't know. I, <laughs> You're like, oh, well. I should know. Yeah. I might know later. I'm going to so, montage you through these because we're at an hour and a half. I'm sorry. No, so, no, it's okay. I'm just. I know. I'll be, uh, I'll be faster. I would happily talk about this with you for five hours. Could this be a five-hour episode? We could, what we need to do is just make an entire podcast. I have been saying this for weeks. I don't. <laughs> but okay, so, so, the, okay, so the, the basic gist is. Uh, of Once Bitten is Jim Carrey is hot and cool and young and a virgin and he would like not to be a virgin and so his friends take him out to this weird club which again like I don't I don't get this whole conceit of like calling random people at random tables because it just seems like it's going to end in a lawsuit but um, <laughs> he meets Lauren Hutton who plays a character called the Countess and the Countess has a chauffeur slash butler slash man around the house played by I think it's is it Cleavon Little the it might be. I feel like his name is Cleveland something. Anyways. I remember liking the character. Yes. Well, that's the other thing that felt progressive is so he is clearly not, I was going to say coded. He's clearly a gay vampire, a gay black man vampire who is her like manservant, but he's kind of like her best friend, major domo. He's clearly like above the other. So there's like lesser vampires that she's made who just kind of work for her and mooch off of her. And then there's the Cleveland Little best friend brings me breakfast in bed takes care of me like he's my best guy and then there's the countess so like he's clearly he's above all these other characters and he's gay um and there's like some jokes where he's like inside her closet ha 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 but like it's it's not presented like 80s gay panic i mean there are moments of 80s gay panic which i didn't remember till i watched the movie again and there's a <laughs> scene where they're in the shower and a bunch of kids scream homophobic slurs and i'm like cool 80s way to 80s but like this character is treated like he is sassy 
But he is, Sassy's not the wrong word because it sounds sort of like he's a trope. He he is like the smartest character in this. Yeah. Like he he makes a plan for the Countess to um, to get Jim Carrey because she needs to drink the blood of a virgin three times from a vein next to his penis, but apparently not actually his penis because I watched the movie the first time thinking that she was giving him a vampire <laughs> blowjob. But apparently when I watched it again, it's like, no, she's just in that area and bites him so near yeah. the the base of his penis that he kind of thinks maybe something happened, but it's nope, no sex, no sex acts. So thumbs up. Um, but he's like, he makes the plan for how to get him. Um, he takes care of the countess. He makes a plan, like, at the end when she loses, like, how we're going to take care of you. Like, he's the one giving orders to all the lesser vampires. Like, he's he's treated, like, he's not a joke character. And I really, like, he's he has, like, like you know, comebacks. Like, he's a funny character, but he's not a joke character. Right. And I, I really appreciated that. I was like, this feels very modern. And um, I also forgot that there's, when they're at the very beginning in the club with the weird telephones, they... Um, there is a trans character or possibly just like a man cross-dressing. It's the 80s, so they don't know the difference and everyone's just everything. But like that character um, hits on or I guess is hit on by one of the the two like little nerdy friends of Jim Carrey. Mm-hmm. The little nerdy friend is like, oh, are you a man? And he's and the, the as I say, he, I don't know, the cross-dressing woman or the uh, cross-dressing man. Yeah the, yeah, the person is like, does that matter? And the guy, the kid's like, eh, and then like runs away. And then the, the character, the possibly trans, possibly, like, cross-dressing man character, like, calls him a sissy, calls the little, like, teenage boy a sissy. And I was like, that puts you in, like, this position of power, which I kind of like. Like, you're the one being like, oh, like, you're not man enough for me. And I was like, I, maybe, like, in the 80s, that just read as, like, this person being the joke. But the way that it plays now is sort of like, like, okay, like, you're not, you're not tough you enough to handle, handle me. this. And yeah. I was like, I was like, oh, okay, all right. <laughs> so, um, this movie Everyone needs to watch it just for the realization, which we all should have had before now, but somehow it always escapes, it escapes all of us, is that Jim Carrey is such a lithe and fluid figure that of course he's an amazing dancer. Of course he would be. He has all arms and legs and no bones. Of course he would be an amazing dancer. There's a choreographed dance in the middle of this movie. And if you haven't seen this movie Go watch it right now. Go fast forward. <laughs> You'll see it. They're in a high school gym. And it's Jim Carrey. Um, it's Halloween. And he is being um, pulled between his girlfriend, who's dressed like Jill, like from Jack and Jill, and uh, the Countess, who is dressed... It's she's it's like it's like that thing where um, a woman wears a man's tuxedo, but it's, like, sexy. And so there's, like, there's no pants. It's like a... It's like a... Not a onesie. What do you call that thing? Like a... Like a bathing, what, what do you call those things where it's like a bathing suit, but it's not a bathing suit? Um, like a spandex. Oh, no. A dancing. Like a, lead, like a leotard kind of? Yeah, a leotard. Yeah, so she's got like a like a tuxedo leotard combo with like a top hat, and she's got her long Cruella de Vil's cigarette on a stick situation going on. It's very sexy, although the more I rewatch this movie, the more I'm like, Lauren Hutton, are you like 65 and like Jim Carrey's like 18? Aww. And I'm like. I don't think she's that old in this. I think I, it's just the pro the I, it, it might be. And the purple <laughs> lipstick, which was a choice. Yeah. It's just you have to move past the purple lipstick to enjoy the scene. So they're dancing and they're pulling Jim Carrey between them, the two women, and it is choreographed to music and it is just it's it's why doesn't Jim Carrey dance more? Why isn't he on Dancing with the Stars? I want only well, isn't Jim he retired now? I he needs to come out of retirement. <laughs> Mr. Carey, I am from Toronto. We are from the same place, and I love you very much, and I want you to dance. 
dance forever. Dance for, dance me. for me. It is this dancing scene is so it is beautiful. I can't oversell it. It is so good. It is so good. So like the movie, like on a whole, like it's like just like an eighties romp, and like at the end, like he has to have sex with his girlfriend, and it's fine, and the, they're in like a double wide coffin, and it's great. Yeah. Um, the lid bounces up and down. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So like. There are questionable things like the homophobic slurs and there's like a Confederate soldier vampire, which I, again, did not realize till rewatching and seeing the Confederate flags, the lover's coffin. But like Confederate soldier vampires are also a trope that just won't die. So anyways, it's for the dancing scene, 80s romp. Um, My best friend's a vampire is like kind of similar, like where the so it's a kid. Um, he also wants to get lit. Every 80s movie is a teenage boy who wants to get laid. Yes. And I'm I'm here for it, I guess. It's a universal theme. He. Well, so here's – so the first time I watched the movie was before all of the grocery stores had started doing, like, home deliveries again. And so it was really bizarre to me to watch this kid taking groceries to somebody's house, although now that's a thing that we do again. So I mm-hmm. guess, like, that's cyclical. But um, he goes to some lady's house to drop off groceries, and she bites him and makes him a vampire. His parents think he's gay um, because he's having <laughs> he's having all these changes in his, like, behavior and stuff. But, again, very progressive for the 80s because they're not like, oh, he's gay – that's bad. They're like, he's gay. And they're like, we love you no matter what. And I was right. like, hey, They're reading 80s. books on like how to, how to like talk to your child yes. about it. Yeah. Yes. What does Which, this mean? Like for the 80s, like that is not how I expected that to go. Like that's amazing. That's great. And then at the end when he's like, here's my girlfriend who like yeah. I, I remember being like, oh, she's not. But it's, it's sort of interesting because like looking back on these 80s movies, it's hard for me to get a really good register on – Fashion and hair-wise, like, what what is the ideal? What are you trying to show me? Yeah. yeah. Like, because like, in my head, it's sort of like um, when we were talking about Fright Night. Like, in my head, the way that, that um, the girlfriend character is styled at the beginning, that just, that, to me, that just reads as, like, 80s girl. But then, like, you realize through the movie that actually the short hair and the sort of androgynous or not, or, like, childlike clothing is not just standard 80s. Like, it's meant to be... Like, it's meant to say something about her. Same thing with sort of Darla Blake, is I feel like watching the movie. She's supposed to be nerdy. She is supposed to be nerdy, but it's, but like looking at it now from like a 2023, what year is it? 2023. 2023. (laughs) Like, like. um, I know, because IMDb says we're on our second season. (laughs) When did your first season end? I don't know. Congrats. I should have gotten you a gift. I'm sorry. I just want to throw that in there again. No, you can go. But it's sort of, but it's like, um, it's hard for me to get a good read on like, is because to me, Darla Blake just looks like 80s girl. And then rewatching the movie, it's like, oh no, she's not 80s girl. She's 80s girl who's like a little bit boyish, 80s girl who's like a little bit nerdy. Like 80s, like yeah. there, there are, there's more that they're trying to say that would have been clearer, I think, to the audience at the time. I do think she's supposed to be the unconventional choice. Yeah. But I think it's supposed to make him look like he's actually interested in her. To make us believe the fact that he keeps trying to get her. Which is weird, though, because, like, I thought he had never talked to her before. He just saw her across the room in, like, band class. But, I mean, maybe that's just sort of how 80s teen boy movies are going to be. Yes. Yeah. 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 I'm I'm deep because she has glasses. Yeah, clearly. And she plays, like, she's in marching band. Yeah. She's supposed to be, like, the nerdy, the unconventional. This isn't the the character. This is the best friend character. This isn't the love interest character. Yes, I can I can see that. Yeah. So it's I feel like all these eighties movies, they're sort of like the next step from the music video movies where like plot wise, 
if you question it Especially too much. Lost Boys. Well, Lost Boys, yeah. Lost I, Boys is one long music video. Oh, it absolutely it is. Yeah. It's the bridge between the 80s ones and the straight up music video ones because it's just like beautiful mullets and beautiful scenery. I love and Lost Boys. I fucking, I love everything <laughs> I about love Lost, Boys, Lost Boys except I wish they had given Edward Harriman better vampire makeup and I don't know why mm. everyone else got sort of the, got similar um, stylings. Like all the other vampires look like they're part of the same group of animal and then Edward Herman looks like, like a zombie and yeah. I can't figure out why I'm like, he's green his hair changes and becomes sort of like he's like the master alfalfa. Yeah, but like, why does alfalfa master get the the bad hair? <laughs> I don't know. Like, because he's only a vampire for like thirty seconds I, in the movie. I know, but like, they could have done less, and it would have done more. But like, here's okay. I like Lost Boys because it has the thing that I really want in my heart, which is a hot, horny, be mulleted vampire <laughs> who doesn't want to be a vampire, and it has it has one of my. Um, I'm going to say good time button push themes, which is scenes where you have the scene of the vampire being like, don't let them see me. Don't yes. let them see what oh, I look God. like. And I'm like, oh, yes, that I think we can. All, yeah. You're like fanning yourself. I think we can all agree that like, don't look at me. I'm a monster scene is like, yes, please. Why does that get my soul? so? Much? I don't I hate I am such a simple animal. But like. That scene where it's him and is it Star, Star is her name right the girl yeah um, who became the wife in that sitcom with Mark Addy uh, um, she's in Twister really yeah what a weird career <laughs> I don't know I everything about Star Star's skirt Star, Star's shirt Star's hair she has that wrap uh, just as teenage me was just like I love everyone in this movie I am so it's like by panic the entire thing it's like. <laughs> Kiefer Sutherland, Sorry. yes, please. Michael Patrick, I think his name, he has two first names. That's all I can yeah, remember. Yeah, I feel like, I feel like yeah. it's his name. Um, Mr. Mullet. Mr. Mullet, yeah. Um, I, Michael. I also love that he's clearly like 37, 18-year-old. <laughs> it's fine. I don't care. Star, great. Like the whole was just like, I love this movie. It is so It is a very sexually much. releasing movie. And but, <laughs> but again, like because it's that 80s slash music video movie, it's one of those where if you spend more than 12 seconds going, wait, what happened and no, when no, and who did you don't no. yeah don't no. like it's fine yeah I'm still not even sure if like that little boy is actually stars like biological brother no he's and, just like another yeah see see I yeah. don't know the story of this movie <laughs> I've watched it seventeen <laughs> times I'm not watching it's like you don't you don't you don't go to like Pornhub for the story do you know what I mean like this is just <laughs> you don't read Playboy for the articles no so yes. yeah no right um <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, I think we can all agree Lost Boys is just like 80s. Like 80s and the vampire tropes had this perfect little baby. Yes. And and the vampire makeup is good. Yeah. Like it's it's that it straddles the line that I need it to straddle, which is to say 50% horny, 50% scary. And you have to top it up with a mullet because all vampires have mullets. Yes. And I don't. That's just a rule. At some point in their lifespan. Yes. Yes. All vampires have mullets. And so I think the 80s with the with the leather and the sweatiness and and the way that it ends, like the line that it ends on with the grandpa being like, oh, like was it there have always been. All the damn vampires. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, When he reveals that he's like known about the vampires the entire time and the whole family's like, I'm sorry, what the fuck? And then the movie just ends. Yeah. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. So good. (laughs) Ah, so good. So all the horny 80s vampire romps. Those are my like six, seven, eight. <laughs> well, I'm gonna go with my number six in the interest of time. 
because I think Daybreakers was number eight. Have you seen Daybreakers? Yes. So I that was both <laughs> number eight and also on my missed opportunities. Yes. 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 I'm with you yeah, on both points. The Ethan Hawke in the group of humans trying to cure vampirism needed to be longer. I think we can all agree on that one. Um, but interesting take on how to cure vampires. And then the new interview with the vampire was really good. The new oh, television show. I forgot to add that to my list. Yes. That's yeah. That the, show is so good. The subtext is for fucking wussies. These two dudes are together <laughs> and their bullshit is amazing and you are gonna love every yes. second of it. Yes. Um Great. I like that Perfect. they I, I like that no the notes. new the new racial angle to it. Yes. Like instead of him being a guy that used to own slaves, he is a black man trying to run a business in what, the nineteen twenties, right? Thirties, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So like I I, I think that adds so much to it because yes. again, vampires with like with subtext vampires with like this other thing that it represents so like you're racially othered and also p.s you're gay which you've got two things that like historically have not really meshed well together like culturally in american society on top of that you're a vamp like the vampires and like like spanning both of these things and also so fucking hot all of them another bi panic show we all agree (laughs) Bailey Bass was perfect. And like everybody who was, every change they made, I was like, yes, thank you. These are all of the problems that I have with the original adaptation and the original novel. And you were just like, how do we make a movie in 2023 about a privileged white dude who owns slaves who becomes a sad vampire? We just don't. We just, we just, yeah. We just bring me a hot Australian. Bring me a handsome British black man who's going to pretend to be American. Holy shit. Um, I know this is not vampire related, but have you seen him in um, the, is it, I think it's called The Newsreader? No. Oh my God. It is. So it's a currently running show. They've just, they finished the first season. I think they're about to either air or like start filming maybe the second season. He plays a nebbish closeted gay. Oh, what? Um, newsreader in the 80s in Australia. Um trying to sort of like like rise up in I think he's in like a like a small local station and he's trying to like rise up through the ranks um and dealing with like trying like dealing with being closeted and then dealing with like actual historical um events that happened in Australia and in the world like at that time it is amazing and the character could not be more of an opposite to Lestat like the only thing they have in common is that they have the same face and that they're both <laughs> gay men yeah. but it is it is so it is such a testament to Sam Reed's acting that in oh, he was phenomenal. So good. But not like I was both terrified and terrifyingly attracted to him yes. all at the same time. Yes. Like I would be terrified and scared, but I would still sleep with you. Like, oh yeah, no, this you is would where you we would, are. You would wet your pants twice. Yeah. So <laughs> he in the newsreader, he is like so painfully closeted and like stabbing himself like emotionally like just so like wrapped up into a tiny little little ball of control and like self-loathing and just trying to like not act on any of his impulses versus the Lestat character who is the exact opposite of I will do whatever the fuck I want and I'm horny and I'm beautiful and I'm gonna murder people and it's great and I'm like like it is such a testament to his acting ability that he is able to embody those characters so fully like it's just it's just amazing, and he is so sexy in both shows. So I fully, I recommend. It's there's no vampires in. It. I mean, maybe season two has lots of vampires. I don't know, but like so far, <laughs> let so me far, know. I'll no, probably watch it. <laughs> it is so, it is so good. And then also like it's. I also I enjoy it just from like an eighty standpoint of like, 
I enjoy learning about historical events that like would be very common, like common knowledge for an Australian person to know about because it's like part of the history of Australia that I would have no idea about. Like yeah. I, I, I really, I enjoy, or like, like also I like, I like learning about historical events from the perspective of an Australian TV show, like historical events that I'm aware of, but I really enjoy just like things that would be really big in Australian history that I am like, I have no fucking clue because I'm trash. So like, I really enjoy, I enjoy that, but like, oh my God. Yes. Thank you for bringing up Interview with the Vampire. That show is so fucking It was good. so good. And um, to bring us back down to earth after that, my number six is actually um, Dracula Untold (laughs) because it's my favorite Dracula adaptation. Have you seen Dracula Untold? I think I've seen like like 10 minutes of that movie. Early 2010s. um, They were like, okay, we have these, we have Dracula, we have Frankenstein, we have the Wolfman, we have Swamp Thing, we have this huge back catalog of like, these are classic vampire movies, or these are classic monster movies. Is this when they were trying to do the universal monsters? They were trying to do the dark universe. universe. Yeah. And so they were trying to reboot each one individually and create this like interconnected, kind of like Marvel was trying to do, but they were trying to do it with their monsters. And so they, they released The Mummy with Tom Cruise, which I think we can all agree was shit. And um, because it didn't have Brendan Fraser in it, it didn't need to be rebooted. But that's a whole nother podcast. Um, And then they did Dracula Untold, where they were like, what if, what if, now, hold hold the phone. What if Dracula is a superhero? Like, what if all of the things he can do makes him a superhero? Wouldn't that be cool? And so you get the Dracula character. I'm listening. (laughs) I'm just waiting. Okay. you get the Dracula character who, in order to save his family and save his kingdom, makes like a deal with the devil, expecting that he'll be able to save them and then he'll be able to like get out of it. But he ends up not being able to get out of it. Okay, that's like a compelling. I like I like the self sacrificing vampire trope. Yeah. Anyways, so I yes. like the self sacrificing person becoming a vampire trope. Right. I I will buy that. And this is on here for like the missed opportunity because it's only an hour and a half long. Which, if it had come out right now in the heyday of streaming, you could create a dark universe television show where we have these little one and a half hour movies. Like, this one is Dracula. This one is Frankenstein. This one is Wolfman. This one is yeah, whatever. I would watch and we that. And we could weave all of those together throughout the course of, like, 12 episodes and create this really cool finale where they're all interconnected. But because we tried to release them as, like, blockbuster movies... And Dracula is not a blockbuster movie in the way they want it to be. They just scrapped the whole thing. So we're end. We left and like there's a really cool cliffhanger at the end, but we're left with this like, this could have been a really intense and cool character. This like, I only became this way to save my family, and now I'm stuck like this yeah. forever. No, that's such a compelling, a compelling concept to start from. So it makes it even more disappointing if like the execution fails. Because like right. you started with something that I was, like, really here for. Yeah. Ugh, I want to watch that now. I mean, I will prepare myself to be annoyed, but I want to watch it. It was good. I I like it. Like, I like – it's not a deep movie. It's not a complex movie. It's not one of those movies where you're like, huh, I feel emotionally changed. You're just like, <laughs> okay, the main character's hot. Um, the main character is a vampire. Check and check. He's tortured. Doesn't want to be what he is. We get the, like, I'm really hungry, but I can't give in to my whatever scenes. Right, exactly, exactly <laughs> what we want, but we it just didn't. We didn't get the payoff. We didn't get more of the character. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, 
having something that hits all the points and like doesn't actually get where we need to go. I feel like that's that's a giant theme of like all the almost good movies and books and stuff on the list. You know yeah. what I mean? Like so um I have Blood Ties on here. I have Forever Night on here. Um I forgot to add Moonlight, but like Moonlight is I'm just I'm adding I it feel now. Like Blood Ties, Forever Night and Moonlight. You could kind of group together. There that's yeah. Yeah. So um I originally had <laughs> A list I called a section of the list called '90s Canada, but like <laughs> <laughs> that's we're gonna have to split that apart separately. So Moonlight and Forever Night and Blood Ties are all like almost good. Like they're they don't get me to the finish line, but like they all know what they're doing. So <laughs> I feel like for okay, so um, Blood Ties is a show about a lady cop in Toronto because all vampires live in Toronto. I think mm-hmm. we established. Um, and she has a I keep I keep wanting to call it's based it based on a book series. It is based on a book series. Yeah, by Tanya Huff. Yes. Um I admittedly I have not read the books. I I have the first book um digitally and I've started reading You like, think Henry's annoying in the show. I don't think anything about Henry. I just I just look at Kyle Schmidt and am happy mm. to look at Kyle Schmidt. Well, that's fair. But you don't get Kyle Schmidt, you just get Henry. I that's that's sort of a bummer. <laughs> so um she has some kind of like I, I want to say macular de- degeneration, but I, I don't know if that's the, the exact thing. But no, she, she has another one. It's, it's a, um, retinitis pigmentosa. Oh, it might be. I think it's I know. That. I know in the in the my understanding is that in the books it makes her essentially that she can't see at night. Like yeah. she's like like blind at night. In the show, though, they're just like she wears glasses, and I'm like that's not <laughs> that's not the same thing. I think in the in the pilot they try to make it. More like what she actually has, like she can't see at night, but like that that goes on for like eighty five seconds, and then after yeah. that, it's just eighty five whole seconds, whole seconds, and then it's just like I'm a lady who wears glasses, who will love me? I can't have a job, and I'm just like okay, as a lady who wears glasses, you fuck all the way off. But so she was a cop. Um, she had to leave her job as a cop um, because of her her vision thing, um, and now she's a private detective. Um, I don't remember how she stumbles upon um, Henry Fitzroy. The bastard son of Henry VIII, played by a very young, very hot Kyle Schmidt, um, also Cadian. Shout out. Um, so also in being human. Also in being who also plays, plays a Henry. vampire called Henry in being human, which I love so much. Okay, so <laughs> uh, please don't block me on Instagram, Kyle Schmidt. So, um, so there's uh, so the police officer is played by Christina Cox, and what I can't think of her character name. Oh, my God. Vicky? Vicky. Thank you. Mm. So Vicky is, like, in her 30s, I think. Kyle Schmidt is not yet in his 30s. <laughs> Kyle Schmidt is, like, her early 20s. But he also has a he has a mullet that ages him up just a little bit. Yeah, so, that's fine. Um, but it's a 90s mullet, so it's just – it's all party. There's no business. Just all beautiful, just long hair. <laughs> God, so Why do they all have mullets? <laughs> all vampires Maybe have mullets. Maybe if we just got a show where the vampire characters had reasonable hair – We'd be like, oh, you did it. That was it. That was the magic formula. I, they can were I, all can I be honest? If there were a show where there were no vampires with mullets, I don't think I would watch. I just <laughs> like you're not real. Could get out of here. Could our vampire podcast be called All Vampires with Mullets? <laughs> yes, it could. <laughs> and solve crimes. <laughs> yes, obviously. So um, he's like in his twenties, but he's actually what, like four hundred years old as the dead bastard son of Henry the Eighth. And yeah. then, and then there's a cop who is still a cop um 
Oh my god, why well, can't I think of his name either? I can see his stupid That's face. That's fine. It doesn't matter. Um, Her, he's like a former flame. Yes, well, former and like maybe future. Wise. Yeah. Um, kind Salucci? of. Salucci, Mike, Mike Salucci. Yeah. God, good job, brain. Okay, <laughs> so. Um, he's like in his 30s, 40s. She's in her 30s, 40s. And then the vampire's like 21. So if you think about that too hard, you're going to feel like you're watching a sex crime when you watch the episodes. But so just just push past it. And then um, Vicky has an assistant who is a goth woman who is. I love her. God, um, Corinne. Right? Corinne. I think it's Corinne. It or might. Corinne. Korean, something like that. I don't know. Yeah, she's, I love her anyway. She's she's great, and her name is confusing. And uh, she is a goth, and the you meet her in the first episode uh, as a college student, but I she's like thirty five, so she's she's just a thirty five year old woman with a lot of black I feel makeup. Like that's and just it, that time period. Every every actor, every, it's like I, Greece, like I, the original no, Greece. Yeah, yeah, she is. Yeah, I yeah. I they're looked, supposed yeah. to be teenagers. They're all like forty five. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So. Um, don't think, I mean, it makes, it makes like all the, all the sexy crime stuff, like a little less upsetting if you just pretend that they're the age that the actors because are. Because we're coming off of, is it Brooke Shields in the, um, Blue Lagoon? Legend of the Blue Lagoon. You've never. I've never, I don't know. I don't have any cultural understanding oh, of the question being asked. Oh my God. I know it's who like Brooke this, Shields is. Oh, I, it's this super controversial movie because she was in it when she's like 14. And she's in oh. it with, like, the it guy of the 80s whose name I can't remember. But they, like, get stranded on this island together. She, like, oversexed up, but she's an actual child? She's an actual child. And they end oh. up, like, together. Uh. And the director was trying to, like, up the chemistry. So he was trying to get them actually together. Oh, my God. And so he would leave, like, photos of her in his dressing room. Uh, is the director in prison? I think she testified against him. I think it ended up in court because it was basically like it is wildly inappropriate for a this character to be portrayed like this on screen and be for the act the actor to actually be that age. Uh, well, because they're yeah. first cousins, they end up sexually active in the show in the movie. Then they have a baby together. It's anyway. That's oh my got. god. And there's like so much nudity. Like okay, so I mean, if my only options are sexed up child or adult playing sexed up child, I guess I'll go with adult, adult playing, playing sexed, sexed up, up child. child. Yes. yes, that is the better option yeah. for sure. So, um, in Blood Ties, they just they like solve crimes together that need the help of a hot twenty one year old vampire, and Vicky is torn between her hot twenty one year old vampire and her uh, also very hot. Do not sleep on him. Um, played by Dylan J. Neal. Yeah, very hot. Um. Mushroom haircutted nineties mm-hmm. um cops. <laughs> it's a heart of gold cop. cop. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, Julian Sands is in it too. He's in like two episodes. I know that name. I don't know who that is. He played in Warlock. You're just saying words that mean. He also played in another movie called Vampire, which I hate that's another pet peeve, is the generic vampire titled vampire movie. Well, like, oh, then I'm never gonna be able to find it if I just Google it. Yeah. Julian Sands, he just died. He went missing. Like he went hiking and went missing and they found his remains like three months later. Oh my god. Um, but he was in it. He's in the arc where like um he get uh Henry gets captured and he has the like son. Oh, thing. is he the um like the rogue priest or whatever? Yeah, the rogue yeah. priest guy. Yeah. So it's not like okay, it's the nineties and it's um it's a procedural. Oh my god, it might be the early two thousands. Yeah, I think it's two thousand and seven. Because there's another emotionally is the nineties. There's another blood ties television show that they tried to have a pilot for, which is completely unrelated to the novels. Which is actually under my missed opportunities list. And it came out in 1991. And it's um, Blood Ties, but it's, again, 
unrelated. And it's like there is a whole group of people who are vampires, but they're not like they're not like mystical vampires. They're like people with what I guess you could call it a disability. I don't know. They're from they're all like genetically similar but they're similar enough to humans that they can kind of live with them. I'm not describing this well, but they the funniest part is they call themselves Carpathian Americans instead of vampires. Okay, I was with you up until you said that. <laughs> I was so going to watch every episode of the show, but then the second you say Carpathian Americans, yeah. No. Okay, well. I just It's worth it just uh, for the funny like yeah. You got to I mean, watch I still it. I still kind of want to watch it. So, the blood ties the <laughs> the non-Carpathian American version. Yeah. Um, it's, you're right, it is It is definitely the early 2010s, which, look, time, 2007. Ta- time has not, time has not moved for me, so I think anything that happened before today was the 90s. That's, yeah. That's how that's I live fine. emotionally. Yeah, yeah. It's fine. So, um, they, they solve crimes. Um, there's a, a love triangle back and forth. Um, goth girl is into vampire boy, but that never goes anywhere. Um, the vampire makeup is very good and very horny. Um, there are lots of, um, sexy romps. Um, it is not as weird as you think it would be to watch a 21 year old and like a 35 year old lady make out. So like, you know, do with that what you will. Yeah, roll with it. Um, there are many silk sheets. It is, it is not, (laughs) the writing is not great. The, the vampire, um, he is supposed to be, I think in the books he's like a novelist, but in the TV show he is a, a comic book writer, um, a comic book artist, Artist, I think. Artist, yeah. Yeah. Um, so that comes up like every 17th episode they some some versions of finding this online will say that there are two seasons sometimes they just say it's one really long first season they there's there's some like confusion between um when it was first aired in Canada and then when it came to the states on lifetime they end the first season slash second season they end the whole show on an awful awful cliffhanger yeah and then nothing ever happens the show gets canceled so you know it's you're gonna have blue balls at the end of it but like it's it's one of those shows that like doesn't ask too much from you like there's like demons sort of it's sort of like buffy where like every every fourth episode it's like oh yeah now there's a demon there's a monster of the week yeah yeah and they don't they don't expect you to like there's not a lot of world building around it like they don't need you to know too much um one of the actors who was on forever night actually is in blood ties in one episode it's um blue um he plays the he's the final um blue man kuma yeah thank you reese the final um chief of police well the main character vicky she plays on forever night that is true. She's got she has two cameo episodes, right? One where yeah, she's, she's Joan of Arc and then she she's gives a cop, I think. a ticket. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's ganky. <laughs> so, it's like it doesn't ask a lot from you. Um there are sexy scenes. I like it because it's it's my Canadian cop show from the early 2000s. What's your number 1? <sighs> so, do you have a one? Is it 1A, 1B, 1C? I you know what? Okay. So, I had my 90s shows, right? So I have Forever Night, which I fucking love, but disappointing ending. Blood Ties, disappointing ending. Um, Moonlight, no fucking ending. No ending. But like, But it knows Moonlight had all of the, like, it hit all of the, like, horny vampire buttons. We were about to get good. Like, the cliffhanger is right where I wanted it to start. It, yeah, it, okay, go ahead. Uh, two hours of hot garbage. Okay, so I've got my 90s ones, right? So I've got Blood Ties and Forever Night and Moonlight, where they, like... They know all the buttons of like, okay, 
um, vampire who doesn't want to be a vampire. And we're going to have them, like, feel bad about themselves. But, like, mm-hmm. be horny. But be sexy. I'm like, okay, good. Yes. So, like, they hit all those buttons. And then you get to, like, the ending of the program. And I feel like they don't stick the landing um, there's not a lot of consistency in like world building if there is any world building and you just end up sort of blue balled and sad. But yeah. like the experience, I like it. There are mullets, there are beautiful vampires, like I'm here for it. Um, then the, I, I realized while making this list that the ones that I like that like sit in my heart and the little cavity in my chest, the ones that make me feel good are the sweet and funny and gentle vampire shows. <laughs> the ones where like. I, where there's like a little family, so um, Dracula the series, which has also has Grant Win Davies in it, yeah, um, as the turned vampire son of Van Helsing, and I can't even, <laughs> I just okay, no one, no one is going to watch this, show, but I need someone to watch this show because it is admittedly a show meant for like ten year olds. The main characters are. Um, like, a, I think the boy is like 10 and then his brother's maybe like 16. And then there's a girl, um, who as an adult goes on to play on Vampire Diaries as like the aunt, but she's in this, I think she's maybe like also 16. Um, it's set in somewhere in, in Eastern Europe. I think they maybe give it like a fake country name. I'm trying to remember, but they film it in, um, Liechtenstein. Okay. So it's, it's like a half Canadian, half Liechtenstein TV show, <laughs> which is great. There should be more of those. So... Um, setting-wise, it's beautiful. Uh, the guy who plays Dracula, uh, I thought he was doing a weird accent the entire time. It turns out that that is his, that's his normal speaking voice <laughs> with just a very slight accent added on top of it. So I feel very bad. Um, his name is Jordy Johnson, I think. Um, also mullet cut because it's the 90s. Yes. Um, and then so so um, all the kids go and they stay with um, – is he Van Helsing? No, he's like the old man. He's like their uncle. I keep I keep calling him Van Helsing. Um, wait, no, is it Van Helsing? Oh my god. They, anyways, <laughs> anyways, the old man, the old man. So they go and stay with the old man who is like related to them somehow. He's like their great uncle, whatever. Um, and then uh, there's like vampire stuff, like vampire hijinks. Basically, it's like yeah. it's like one of those like mystery of the week shows. But here's why I say don't sleep on it. Okay. When the show has the kids and you're focusing on the kids, it's like Scooby-Doo mystery, whatever. It's a, it's a YTV show made for children, whatever, dumb. The second, the second that it is just the adult vampire characters on screen, they are all Shakespearean ham actors. <laughs> I cannot. <laughs> they are, you know it's true. Yes. They are, are all... Shakespearean hams and they know that the camera is on them and that there are no children to distract and the level of acting with a capital A that happens it is it is I can't I have no words it is so good it is so it's not it's okay so when I say ham acting I don't mean like cheesy ham acting no 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 I mean I mean like quality yeah like they are actually Shakespearean actors so there are scenes where Klaus so Grant Wynn Davies who I love and um Dracula Judy Johnson also love when they are in a scene together they're like in Dracula's like office because Dracula's a businessman in this because you know it's the 90s um and they are like reciting Shakespeare quotes to each other and um, having like pointed barbed conversations about 
like, uh, what do you what do you want me to do as your minion? And I don't like being your minion and I want freedom. And like, I want like they are they are like conversations that don't have anything to do with these with the children and are more about like the vampires and like their uh, like their relationship with each other and like the the business of everything um, and the chafing against vampirism. And the language that is used, like this heightened language, and then these Shakespearean quotes that come out of just nowhere, and this like emotive acting, it is, it is mind-blowingly good and impressive acting hidden in this teeny tiny like chocolate nugget oopsie doopsie show. Like I can't even, <laughs> it is, it is like, where the fuck did this come from? Like it's like, it's like, I'm a little teenage boy and I'm going to go find vampires. And then it's like, pathos. And I'm like, <laughs> what? What? Where did this? What? And then, okay, so it also ends in a cliffhanger because no good vampire thing ever lasts. But it, no. but it ends on, like, such an interesting cliffhanger. And, like, I will admit that, like, the last episode, Grant Wynn Davies, like, <laughs> got some direction and was like, oh, I can be a ham. And he hammed it. He hammed it all the way up. Like, and there is some like peak '90s uh, vest dressing, mm. um, like Love a good vest. like tennis tennis pro vest dressing. And then they wanted to make a very clear distinction between Grant Wynn Davies as the vampire with his hair slicked back and Grant Wynn Davies, cool human dude. So they like blow blow dried his hair a little bit too much. So like <laughs> some of the fashion in the very last episode will make you pause. It will make you wonder what's happening with your life, but. You have to watch it just to dig through and find these beautiful – it's on YouTube in its entirety. There's, like, two separate people who have uploaded this entire show, which God bless you. God bless you. Um, have uploaded the show in its entirety onto YouTube. And I just – I want you to watch it for these beautiful, dramatic moments that should be in a much better program. But instead, like, they just got free reign in Liechtenstein with children. And it's just <laughs> – it's amazing. So um, – I just and and you like you believe that the characters like feel about each other, which is why I have it in my list of like my top three, like in that category. Because you want like they're characters who are they are an actual family, but they're also sort of a found family. So mm. the two boys are brothers. Then there's like the the old man who's like sort of their great uncle, like twice removed or whatever. So like they become a family. And then there's the girl who lives there, who I don't think is related to them in any way. She's just like the girl because it's the '90s and that's her personality, mm-hmm. girl. So. But, like, they get to, I don't know, you have that family relationship, and then you get to see, like, the struggle between Klaus, um, Grant Wynn Davies, and his dad, who I think is played by Bernard something, old man, old man and young Grant Wynn Davies. And you get to, like, see all these family relationships, and I'm like, yes, this is what I want, all this family drama. So you get that also in my number one and two shows, which are What We Do in the Shadows, the show and the movie. Yes. Where you have all these... Um, made relationships. You have this found family. It's not just the best vampire show. It's probably the best television show right? I think I have ever seen. Right? Yeah. I just, I like, I like how much they focus on the relationships. Like, yes, like there's goofy vampire stuff. Um, and yes, they also get to have like scary vampire stuff, which is, which is nice. It's a hard balance to do to have them yeah. still be like lovable and also commit like mass murders and then be like back to lovable. Like it's a hard line to, it's a hard needle to thread and they do it. But I like the focus in the movie of the relationship, the relationships between both the housemates um, amongst themselves and the housemates with people like outside of the house. So like the, um, is it Viago who was played by um, Taika Waititi? Yeah. So Viago and his like ninety six year old lost love. You have um, 
why can't I think of his name? Uh, he was in uh, Flight of the Concords. Um, starts with a J. But he plays- Jermaine Clements. Thank you. God. Okay. So you have Jermaine Clements' character, who I want to say is Vlad. I don't know. Anyways, he has- uh, he's Vlad the Poker. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so character names never stick with me for some reason. It's just like the actor. So you have his relationship with the Beast. You have um, the housewife familiar who becomes a vampire, um, and Nick and the guy that turns them. Who's is it? Duncan. And yeah, I think it's so, so you get like you get like all of these these different relationships and it's not just like and even the Nosferatu guy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Peter. Yeah. Yeah. So you you get these you get these characters that feel three-dimensional and fleshed out who have wants and needs and some of those wants and needs are related to like they want and need other people and you get to see like you get to see them like interacting with people and um, their vulnerabilities and them like working together and like caring for other characters. I feel like that's it shouldn't be rare in modern television, especially not in like genre stuff, to have characters that care about other people and you can see them care about other people outside of like a like a sexual relationship type character. I don't know why that's so rare, but like you get you get that in what we do in the shadows in the show and the movie. And I feel like it was less in the show until recently, until the finale. Um, I don't want to spoil anything for anybody, but I just, the the two part finale of the what is this the fifth season I think yeah so good so emotionally resonant um, and these characters that like can be very cruel and flippant to each other you get to see that they actually care about each other and respect each other and um, like want to support each other's wants and and needs and like be there for each other and i was like this is unexpected and beautiful and like the show gets to be like funny and stupid and mean still it can be it can be just as mean it gets to do all the things and it gets to do them all really really well and the show that i feel like most exemplifies all of this even though i don't it's not a successful show like in any way that you could define success but i that defines it in a way that warms my heart is the u.s version of being human it was really successful it was like the highest viewed television show on sci-fi for like the 18 to 35 range when it came out because like sci-fi when it was first really when they were first releasing it sci-fi was like a dude network it was almost exclusively male their viewership and being human actually got them like female viewers well i mean that makes perfect sense <laughs> you're like because sam whitworth so yes you know what i <laughs> i dare not speak his name i love him so much so he just seems like a cool dude so i got distracted so the <laughs> show, sam hang on i got I, you know Ooh. what this is <laughs> it was good i i enjoy both being humans i had just had a discussion with somebody online about this because they were like oh one well, and i was like no i mean season one is almost a mirror yeah, they copy a lot. They from... copy a lot. And then they make one different choice at the end. Yes. And then we have two completely different shows. Yeah. I feel like I – do I like being human, like the UK version? Like, yeah. It's like it's it's fine. I, don't, I wouldn't like not recommend it. I like the US version more because I believe that these characters care about each other more. Yeah, that's in the, fair. In the UK version, they are roommates and I feel like they stay roommates – but they are like roommates who like now feel like slightly more obligated to help their other roommates, like like as the show goes on. They're just not open with each other. They're not. They're not open. Well, I mean, in the U.S. show too, like they well, more so than in the U.K. version. 
Yeah, yeah. yeah but like they'll both go for a while, and then all of a sudden they'll be like, "Okay, sit down. I'm going to tell you the tea for the last like two weeks. Yeah, of what's happening? Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. But they, I feel like in the in the Canadian U.S. version of the show because it's filmed in Montreal, so Canadian. So in that in that version of the show, I believe that they start off as strangers, then they become roommates who are slightly more comfortable with each other, and then they become friends and close friends and then family. Like I feel like you can see you yeah. can see that progression um of these people kind of weaving around each other. And like I I think the ending of the show is good. I mean, you can you can tell that the last season was originally meant to be two seasons cuz I mean it it feels really clearly like two seasons were the storylines that they just went mash and then like mash it into one. And yeah. I, and I know why they did that. I know that there were like financial issues that came about and so like I think I think it's a successful way to do what you wanted to do from the beginning and get through everything. And the the finale, I thought, like, it it does have a good sense of closure to it. Like, it it's a happy ending for, for the characters um, that you care about. Like, it's nice. I think it's sort of like a lot of the other stuff on the list where if you think too hard about, like, the plot at any given moment, it's all going to fall apart into, like, little dust clumps in your hands. Yeah. Um. I think some of the seasons are less successful than others, like, because there is a season where they're like, oh, like the vampire royalty shit. And I'm just like, ugh, pass. But, like, I I like this show because it, it for me, for me personally, like, it helped remind me of the healing power of friendship. And I know that sounds like a My Little Pony thing. But, like, being, reminding yourself that, like, you can have a found family and you can reach out to them and rely on them and they can reach out to you and rely on you. And that that's not like being a burden. That's friendship. That's what friendship is. Like you can, you can do that. Like you can reach out to people and have people there for you. And that's an acceptable thing. Like, I feel like that show helped open that door for me, helped remind me of that, that you like, that it's not like, well, if I, if I talk to someone like that's going to be bothering them, I'm going to be a burden to them. Like, I don't want to, it's like, oh no, these people are very fucked up and they, what do they do? Like they rely, they rely on each other. Yeah. Like I, I feel like the fact that the actors seem like they were friends um, behind the scenes, like that really comes through and it just, it feels very, very real in that way. And it has the thing that I like the most, which is they're not just monsters because they're monsters. Like their monstrousness represents part of the human condition. So right. like the ghost is disconnected from everybody. She is depressed. Like the werewolf is full of anger that he can't control and that scares him. The vampire is played like a heroin addict. So like thumbs up. Like that comes across really clear. Like I just, I think, I think it's, it does what I want from a monster show. It has the... The monstrousness represents something in the real world. It has the characters fully grounded in the real world. And it has this found family as a response to all these monstrous things. And, like, you're not going to fix vampirism and werewolf is a lycanthropy. And you're not going to fix, you know, the ghost character. Like, they try and they can't. But, they, but they're able to be there for each other and help each other deal with these problems in their lives and get through that. So I think... Like, that's that's what I want from a monster show. Like, I want it to be more than it is. And I feel like, like, concept-wise, being human really does that. And it does that more successfully, I feel like, than the original being human, which 
start off start off with that kind of mindset of like oh like the like the monstrousness represents stuff and they're roommates and they're going to help each other and then it like it really veered off into like monster of the week um more of that like genre tv thing and then when all the main actors like leave and the new actors come in like they're they're still good actors and they're interesting characters and I still like the world but like the stories that were being told were just not as interesting to me yeah it lingered a little too long yeah yeah yeah, like I want, I feel like um, the vampire character, the second vampire character that they had, the one at the end, um, Prince Hal, I think, in the UK version, he had some of those things that we have on the US version where uh, like his vampirism seems like it's it's meant to talk a little bit about his mental and emotional condition and then he has kind of like a split personality. So like, I feel like they were, they were like almost getting to that place with that show, like where they were, they were having it... Um, they were having it like represent stuff, but like then they just went right back into genre TV, and I was like, "Well, this is like Monster of the Week is kind of boring to me. Like, you need to you need to have more." So I like that the U.S. Yeah. Um, Montreal being human, I like that it it gave us more, and also uh, you know, Sam Sam Whitworth being shirtless a lot didn't didn't hurt where it fell on the rankings. I will not say that it was the sole <laughs> reason for it being at the top of my list, but it was nice. I, you know, if anyone is casting anything where they need a guy to be shirtless and they want to hire him um <laughs> i like will, I, i'll watch I, your program I, i'll write i'll write any kind of recommendation you want for i <laughs> <laughs> i will watch that program yeah all right thank you meg for coming i'm sorry i talked too much no you did not talk too much do not apologize i invited you here to talk about vampires and you talked about vampires for two hours and 20 minutes so thank you very much. <laughs> I have to go retrieve Matt from the airport or we would talk longer. Okay. Well, if this goes well and you want to... <laughs> what if you decide that the vampire podcast should be called All Vampires Wear Mullets and I Solve Crimes? I think All Vampires Have Mullets and Solve Crimes yeah. should be our slogans. We just need to figure out a shorter version of that for the for the title. So if anybody has any good ideas, feel free to let me know. Um, and until that time, I guess we'll just see you next time. So goodbye, friends. Bye. Bye.